Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. and welcome to Paradise Island. This is Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through this UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, and if you're watching the video version of this, you will see workers behind me deconstructing the set. But if you're listening to the audio version, trust me, it's happening. And definitely not staring at the background of Luke's kitchen, I am Ash Versus. This is our Series 7 wrap-up episode being recorded live on YouTube for uh, Patreon backers and will be broadcast out to you fine folk as we wrap up what has been, well, I mean, the shortest season we've had since Series 1, but actually the shortest series overall because it's really only nine episodes. Yeah, I, I mean, to, to not to spoil upcoming feedback, um, there is a real sense of, didn't we just do one of these? Like two months and change ago and the answer is yes we did and yes we did but that feedback episode was done with a sense of anticipation this feedback episode is done with a sense of well what do we do now tinge of sadness to it i suppose somewhat because uh patreon backers will have already heard uh episodes 10 that dropped yesterday uh, at the time that we're recording this um and there was like a real sense of you know ah, oh, this has sort of come to an end somewhat and we have sort of reached a, a fork in the road and what will be coming next we'll be talking about that a little bit more when we get to the end of this episode of like what's what will be coming down the line uh with ucp but it really did feel like you know you and i recording episode 10 in person no less felt quite landmarky in a way for us and yeah it just feels very weird that we're now doing this series 7 wrap-up episode only not that many weeks before after we did the last one yeah it series seven has been a interesting ride it's been an interesting journey it's been an interesting viewing experience viewing a 
what I think is the most of its time of all the Games Masters, but with both you and I uh, having very modern, I think, sensibilities, or as some people would call us, probably woke assholes. Oh yeah, we're woke lefty pussies. Yes, exactly. Uh, sometimes I kind of hang more in the centre, but I'm definitely a leaning to the left kind of guy. It depends what trousers I'm wearing. I was going to say, it depends on how I get dressed in the morning. You got there before. Right? Um, yeah, I think, you know, if, if this is your first time uh, joining us here, I'll give you a little brief introduction before we get into our thoughts on the, the, the series. But we will give some general thoughts on Series 7 and kind of what we made of it. And then we will start handing out the very prestigious Under Consultation Award. That will be for our favourite challenges, our least favourite challenges, the Annabelle Croft Award for Favourite Celebrity, the Ashley Pascoe Award for Worst Celebrity, the Diamond award for best dick joke they'll be handing out all of those awards and then getting into your listener feedback to series seven we've got a bumper crop of uh series seven feedback as well yeah there is probably i think the most maybe not the most feedback in number of people but certainly some of the most thought out feedback and that will be coming at the end apart from one group who if there was another full series as opposed to just revisiting series eight slash the reboot i suspect would just get their own episode because our mods over on the discord the modlins um did feedback separately then together then as the mods and then it came to us in multiple parts and this time they will be joining us throughout the episode the first part of which i guess we play for people right about now Oh, it was that soon. What about you? Well, I, I, I completely forgot. Hang on, Sarah's there. Sarah! Sarah! What? What? Get, get, I, know, I know. Right. Put your pina colada down. Oh. We've got to record Series 7's feedback. 7? What do you mean, 7? Series 7 of Games Master! There was a Season 7? There was! <laughs> I know Games Master didn't know they were having a Season 7, but, you know... You, you as well? Come on, it's, it's, it's a retrospective review, Sarah. Keep up. I did not know. Well, booger. <laughs> well, uh, you've got about ten episodes to catch up, my dear. I've got the book. I think I'll be okay. Let me do uh, some quick reading. <laughs> so, Sarah, you call up now. You've watched everything on Games Master. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hello, all you lovely lots, to the Modlin Review. Of series seven of Games Master. With myself, Cliff Foster, aka the amazing Cliff on the old Twitter, and I'm accompanied by, as always, hey, it's me, it's a Matteo. How are you doing? Hi, I'm Sarah, aka Pink Lithium. Hello. So, here we go. One last time. Could be the last time. I'm not too sure if it will be. Well, it's at least the last time of Games Master, I suppose. And now the end is near. And so it takes the final curtain. And now the three of us are sat here dreading the end. And I don't <laughs> know where to go with this song. Cliff, save me now. Nope. 
Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and now the end is near. We did it our way. Well, we've got to do one more time at least. So let's do this. Let's go into Games Master Series 7. Ash Luke, over to you. Oh, it's very generous of Clip to introduce us and allow us to talk on our own smegging podcast. It's very nice, isn't it, to do a podcast where we introduce ourselves, then introduce some modlins who then introduce us back. It's kind of the circle of life, but with less kind of like lying curbs and, you know, Simba and all that stuff. And uh, also, for those of you who are just listening to this, during the audio segments, there's a classic Windows screensaver that is entirely appropriate to uh, this season playing in the background. So keep an eye on that for some strange little shenanigans going on. So yes, enjoy the modcast that will run throughout this entire podcast as we talk about Series 7. Ash, I suppose we should get into our general thoughts on Series 7 that I really do think could be, for me anyway, can certainly be summed up by the thoughts that we had for Episode 9, which is Series 7 is the best and worst of Games Master, or of I would say it's the best and worst of what people remember Games Master being. Absolutely. It's the best of gaming at the time. I mean, let's take episode nine as that example, the Tekken World Championship. We've kind of fantasy booked it both off and on mic of just like, what would we do if this played out over multiple episodes, more countries represented? But it is a cutting-edge game. It is genuinely good game players from all over the world. And it is the absolute best of Games Master. It's Tetsujin Plus. Tetsujin was an amazing games player being thrown up against 100 other competitors. Whereas this was 30 just... school kids. No, 100. It was 100 competitors, Luke, just like builders are really dismantling the set behind you. It was for 30 kids from class 7A from a local school. You're ruining the illusion. But that was good. And then you take that concept of we have one world-class games player. And then you go, well, what if? What if, Luke? We have four. And it's the best of Games Master. You know, that is a case of people always remember... And it was one of the criticisms leveled at the reboot is they remember it was regular kids. Definitely wasn't plants from a drama school. It was regular kids. But the best games playing we saw was quite often from those early pro gamers, competitive gamers, those proto Evo kind of competitors. And Series 7 had that. It had some other great spectacle tasks, uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, uh, GoldenEye, which was very cool, very cutting edge. And episode nine also had Final Furlong, which arguably is one of the low points, because whilst we had a show that was highlighting the best of gaming at the time, we also had a show that was highlighting the peaks of lad culture at the time. And I'm not going to say I've got clean hands. I was of an age. I was definitely part of some of that lad culture to a degree, but also I'm older now. I'm not drinking shit beer. I'm drinking whiskey. You're on the white wine. We've matured, Luke. Yeah, in a way, like I think, yeah, it's certainly, it was the style at the time. And I would never bemoan something being the style at the time. Games Master Series 7 was the style at the time. And I don't think it is wrong for being that. But I would say it is the section of the show or the part of the show that has aged the worst. 
it is aged poorly and I don't think it is reflective of what I liked about Games Master. I, I mean, I keep going back to it. I mentioned it several times throughout Series 7. Violet Berlin's article that she wrote about it. And it's kind of like, I think is a I, my thoughts on Series 7 really echo something that she says in that piece that she wrote, which is that it appears like it's a show that doesn't actually have any interest in video games. And I I think there's some truth in that. I don't think it's entirely true, though, because the Tekken challenge and bringing back Martin Mathers and the Tomb Raider challenge and things like that, I think there were real efforts to be a video game challenge TV show that celebrated video games. But the vast majority of it was way the lads, lad culture that I that feels like, yeah, video gaming actually isn't this thing that we like. And my kind of like big thoughts on the show is kind of tying back into something that I said uh, when watching series five, because I watched series five, you know, we'd met several times. I watched series five while I was on paternity leave and my wife often walked into the room while I was watching it and kept saying like, I can't believe this was actually a TV show in terms of, I can't believe they let people make this show and then put it out on TV and if only she'd known then, it's like, that's actually one of the good, that's one of the like good series when they were trying. Like this is a, like series seven, often at times, doesn't feel like an actual TV show that really aired in prime time on Channel 4. It is a half hour piss take. It is. And that is evocative of the culture at the time of the laddishness of the jokes. The one thing I will say, and this is in Games Master's favour, and this has been noodling around my head since the start of Series 7, which is the idea that every week Dominic is going, we're done soon. Mm -hmm. Ten episodes left, nine episodes left, eight episodes left. The last episode being essentially, while a clip show, also an empty increasingly empty studio and what came to my mind was an american tv show uh, most famously it's known for being hosted by james corden we'll leave that one over there but before james corden it was hosted by a scottish stand-up comedian called Jay, uh, called craig ferguson who took advantage of the late night slot and the fact that no one was really paying attention to what he was doing to deconstruct what a late night chat show was so he didn't have a sidekick band leader. He had a gay robot skeleton sidekick. He had a panto horse called Secretariat. Towards the end, he did have a house band. They were very, very shy Mexicans that hid behind a curtain and you never saw. And I look at Games Master Series 7 and how there is increasing fourth wall breaking, increasing absurdist humour, increasing deconstruction of it being a tv show and that knowing reference to the fact of we're done in 10 weeks we can do what the hell we want they can't cancel us and i realized that i think it's one of the things i like about it because if you have at some level not checked out but run out of ways to present the source material seriously then it is better to deconstruct than it is to just retread I, I think there is something to that. And like I, the other thing I would disagree with sort of Violet's assessment that it's a show that doesn't care about gaming is look at Dominic's final speech that he has in episode 10. He sounds like a man that truly does care about this show and cares about what this show did and what this show achieved. And I do think, but also I think a lot of that is counter to what was done throughout series seven, which was just, I'm having a crack with me mates. 
um, and Channel 4 are footing the bill and we're just doing whatever the hell we want because they're not going to stop us. They can't cancel us. And I'm having a bit of fun. And I, I think Dominic is at his most at ease in this series because he doesn't have a care in the world for this one. Doesn't matter if he gets good ratings. Doesn't matter if he gets bad ratings. The show ends in in 10 episodes time. So we'll just do whatever the hell we want. I get to hang out with my mates. I'm going to bring back Martin Mathers as a commentator. Why? Because I like him. And I can do. And they can't stop me. And it's kind of like, you know, Matthew says in the live chat, like this attitude sums up Channel 4 in 1997, 1998. It was just a channel that was throwing money at people to make any owl bollocks. And they'll put it out on the air. Absolutely. And I... I feel that when we see Dominic give that final speech at the end of episode 10, it is the most raw and real that we ever see Dominic on Games Master, or the most raw we see him since his return in series four, when there was a lot of raw Dominic on screen, but it wasn't a happy Dominic. It wasn't a content Dominic. It was still a slightly angry and bitter Dominic. A grumpy Dominic. Yeah. But here it's a, a happy Dominic, a settled Dominic. He's in a relationship. He's not having to jet off across the world. In fact, part of the reason we don't get those location shoots is because he's not having to jet off across the world because he's happy and he's content. However they did it, one of the biggest antagonists on set is gone. Yeah. this is It's the calmest the show has ever felt because it is just then there's no drama it's just your mates having a bit of a laugh. Basically, we are getting like a bit of a window into what it was just like hanging out with them down the pub. And that is kind of, you know, the, what they were trying to reflect on this show. And I think that is somewhere where Series 7 succeeds. But it doesn't then feel like it is a video game challenge TV show. You know, like at the start of Series 6, when Dominic has that introduction where he was like, we're going to bring you everything that you need to know about the entertainment and, and media and electronic sphere. And it was, you know, it was news and it was features and it was like this really sort of like collective thing. I don't think Series 7 has that, part of which is because they aren't, everything is done on set. There aren't any of those uh, outside broadcasts. There aren't none of those extra external features. There is a little bit of news, but oftentimes the news just felt like, eh, like is a Joe Guest Tamagotchi game that we thought was funny to feature in here. You know, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is featured twice and it's effectively the same news piece on both occasions. I, 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 I was trying to like write down my notes and feelings and I use the word tired a little bit, but I don't think that's fair because the show doesn't feel tired, but it does feel like it's less of a show about video games and video game culture and more of a show about Dom having fun with his mates. And I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that. But when I look at Games Master as a whole and my overall feelings, this is not my favorite thing of Games Master. Series 7 is not the one I will go back and re-watch. No, Series 6, to me, is kind of the peak. Even though we've got, yes, we've got the Mario 64 instant, we all know it. But when you've got that combination of some truly exceptional challenges and some truly weird Dom and Mates era stuff, plus some great features, I think Series 6 is there. Mm -hmm. Series 7 is a victim of a number of different circumstances, oh, yeah. uh, type production time, no, you know, uh, just that lack of production time is probably what did the most damage because it gave them the, le the least amount of time to source, I don't know, bigger and better exclusives for the games to do any sort of location filming. They could have sent, they could have sent Rick 
Kirk off somewhere. Yeah, exactly, and he probably would have had a great time. I mean, I don't think Dominic would have signed off on that. This is the Dominic Diamond show, after all. He tried to change the name of it several times over. But I, I think one of the other great strengths of Series 7 is we're in, in an era where home gaming is going into a next-gen era with the PlayStation. You know, Gran Turismo is featured in this series. Metal Gear Solid is featured in this series. Pokemon is featured within this series. And, you know, the 64 Double D and all this sort of things. You know, these, these like, we are going into a new, brand-new era of video gaming. But arcade gaming is also changing. Because the home market is booming, arcades have got to try and do wacky things to get people to plug in their quids so that is here's a massive dinghy here's a racehorse here's a bicycle and some of series seven then just gives you here are the wacky arcade games that you could go and play and we're putting them on tv and that actually is quite a bit of fun with it while i don't a lot of those challenges are bobbins and you know when i was writing up my favorite challenges list it was the shortest one i've ever written up i think visually a lot of those things like your know, top skater it's a skateboard for fuck's sake like it is a mad little thing and it's cool that it's featured and it is also interesting when you mention those arcade games we do have some sega games in there in fact one of the best arcade challenges we get is a sega game but there's a hell of a lot of stuff that arrived in a white van from namco fun park Oh yeah, Derek Lynch has brought down. It's like, Derek, what's the maddest thing you've got? Well, I've got this armadillo game where you throw a trackball down and the armadillo might have a heart attack. Brilliant. We'll get some fit birds to roll the ball then. In, fa- in fairness, that was one of my favourite Namco games that they featured just because of not, not just the trackball armadillo racing. That's a pretty cool game mechanic because I think of um, uh, Sega Sonic, which also used a trackball and is now one of the most sought-after arcade machines in the world of that era. And um, leaving aside the fit bird aspect of it, it's the fact your armadillo could have a heart attack. And I'm really, really sad we did not explore that more in the challenge because that, that that just feels like there's jokes to be mined there about if the girls get the armadillo too excited, he has a heart attack. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's plenty of things you could have done there. We'll, and we, you know, we'll get into the celebrities a little bit later on. But Dominic Diamond's been very upfront about this, particularly in the oral history, which is just like everyone that was booked on this show outside of All Saints was booked because I was friends with them or fancied them. And that is sort of the be all and end all of what the celebrities are on this show. As said, All Saints are the one that stick out like a sore thumb in there. In the case of he knew them, that probably also helped with the type production. Oh, yeah, because he just calls them up and just be like, oh, can you come in for a half a day? And like, yeah, sure, I can squeeze that in for you. And I'll have a fun time doing it because we're mates. Yeah, if it's anything like when I've had to call in favours with people, you call the person you know, you have the discussion, you get them to agree with it and work out what you tell their agent. And then... You go to their agent with a ludicrous low ball offer and the agent's like, oh, I don't think they could do that. That's not going to happen. I'll ask anyway. And then they ask and the person's like, yeah. And you just you basically do all the negotiation without the agent knowing. And I know some agents must get suspicious about that. I know the one that I actually did that with. The agent did say to them afterwards, you'd already agreed to that before I found out, hadn't you? And my friend was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Side eye. I think my last like note I would give in, in general thoughts is it's an incredible final episode in terms of I think the clips uh, package of it is really great, even if they are just recycled from the, the Series 5 clip show. Um, but it is 
a genuine heart felt a goodbye from Dominic Diamond. Like, you know, the, the preceding nine episodes, it just felt like he was having a bit of a piss take with his mates. And can you believe that Channel 4 are actually funding this thing? But when it got down to it, it got down to brass tacks and he was giving that final speech and it was just like, yeah, the journey's over. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it meant something to some people. I know some of you thought that we were frivolous, but this show does mean something to some people. It certainly means a lot to us. And then just that the black screen, white text, thanking every single person that was involved in Games Master's history. It felt, you know, as we said in last week's episode, very referential and genuinely emotional and quite warming and heartwarming. And I'm glad that, in a way, I'm glad we got Series 7 because that is a better conclusion than the what we got for Series 6. Yeah, even if you consider Episode 9 as the final episode proper, it's a way better conclusion. And the ending of Episode 10... I can't think of many TV shows where credits have just played out in, I don't know, silence is always the case, but with reverence uh, from something that is, you know, traditionally funny. And it's Games Master and Blackadder goes forth. And that's about it. That's the only things of comedy with very serious and emotional end credits. And then in the case of Games Master, a really weird coda where it appears that Patrick Moore may have been bent to say something, he forgets, so he just shrugs instead. And it's even to the point where you'd expect them to have done this now with the release of the book, but even then, back in 1998, thanks Dave Perry, thanks Dexter Fletcher. And in 1998, those were two Ds that were not popular amongst Games Master fandom or probably the Games Master production team. Which is amazing, because given the lad culture of the time, Ds were very popular. Especially if there's two of them. Um, so let's get into our favorite challenges. As I kind of said a little bit ago, like this was harder than it has been for most series. A, there's only 18 challenges to choose from. So you don't have as big of a pool to judge. But this isn't like the trouble I had with series three, where every challenge was borderline the same. I think when you kind of look back on it, a lot of Games Master series seven challenges are forgettable. When it's the gimmicky arcade games, you remember the games more than you remember the challenges. For example, I remember Rapid River, and other than a few canvas choices, I can't tell you much about the challenge itself. Um, I remember Top Skater. Same sort of thing. I remember it for the arcade game rather than the challenge and the performance of the challenge. But, and to kind of refer back to episode 10, we talked about choosing our favourite challenges for UCP Live 2. And we admitted that we did gimmick some of those choices, both of us did, because we knew we wanted to do them as challenges. The more accurate title for that episode would be our favourite challenges that we want to recreate and we might actually be able to. However, some choices were genuine. And for me, Tekken 3 in Series 7 is hands down my favourite challenge of Series 7. And it's probably one of my favourite challenges in all of Games Master. The winner will be decided in a league of six matches. Every challenger will play everybody else only once. Each match will take the form of the best of three doubts, with all game options set to their factory defaults. I think my champions are ready, so <laughs> let's get going. Because I just see that as being the future and what they could have gone on to do. Absolutely. Like, it is such a great challenge and what's brilliant about that Tekken 3 challenge is that it's so good and even then it's not the most perfect version of it 
because there's only you know it's, it's there's four people so there's a small round robin tournament it's better if you do it like play each other twice or you have more people in there so even at its bare bones it's still like far and away the best challenge that the series had you know and I, when i i put together like my favorite challenges I try not to do the celebrity ones because I kind of tie those into my favorite celebrities and I don't I try not to award sort of too much there. So that means I'm really down to a pool of eight, you know, when it comes to uh, challenges to pick. But Tekken 3 is, it's certainly up there. Like, it's so, so good. You know, and it, when we did that episode, uh, the live episode, I picked Parappa the Rapper, but that was mostly, you know, the big head that Kirk's wearing and the giant PlayStation pad that was so funny and it's so... You know, even when you come to regular games, they find a way to make it feel a bit wacky and stuff. But for me, when it comes to like what challenges I love on Games Master, the style of challenge that I love on Games Master, later series Games Master, that is, it's those episode long challenges like we have with Tekken, like we had with Tomb Raider, like we have with Mortal Kombat. But for me, in particular, it's the Lost World. Arcade machines are always spectacular, but for sheer. Eye-puffing excitement, Sega's Lost World takes the biscuit. The two-player version of the game involves an exhausting journey through four stages of non-stop action as wave upon wave of prehistoric tests attempt to rip you to shreds. For this challenge, a team of two Lost World experts will attempt to demonstrate their skill by playing through the entire game using a single credit each. One credit equals four lives. And I suspect they'll need every one of them that they're to deal with this dinosaur deluge. It's a tough one. Good luck. <laughs> because I think that is the best version. Outside of Tekken, I think it is the best version of that. Tomb Raider, we didn't see enough of the gameplay. Mortal Kombat, we didn't see much of either. But Lost World, as a show-long challenge, we got to see loads of the game. We got very good commentary from a, a returning Martin Mathers, even if he was very scathing of the children playing it and the stupid, idiotic mistakes that they made, the big, dumb idiots. But it was still really good, and it was very tense, and it got down to the wire, and they still managed to do it. It really did make me think of the Virtual Cop Challenge from Series 5, which, you know, with Martin's second appearance. It's for me. It's my favourite challenge of, of Series Seven, and, and I, I really did love it. Also, Martin, there is a chance you may hear this. We know you are aware of us throwing stones in glass houses there, mate, because they completed their challenge and they did it within the time the time length of the episode. Exactly, and like he had three bites of that apple and only bit once. With light gun challenges, is the Jurassic Park one one of the only endurance challenges that's actually been completed? I think it is. Well, Virtual Cop, the first one. Um, so it's just those two, isn't it? And yeah, certainly of light guns. It's just those two. Because Virtual Cop 2 obviously is a shorter challenge because he has to complete the first level. Um, mm. And Die Hard Arcade's a beat em up. So I think it's yeah. just those two. What about or those Time three, Crisis? Rather. Time Crisis wasn't, yeah, not a show long one, was it? That was just a, a no. shorter challenge. That was just complete the final level. It was certainly impressive. Yeah, it was impressive. certainly an impressive challenge. And again, like, you know, when I, I when I think back to the show, those are the challenges that I'm going to remember the most. The ones, um, and you see Dave Fisher, this is what happens when you come in late, mate. You have missed what Ash said. He said light gun endurance challenges. That's a beat em up, mate, Tetsujin. You could try um, playing Virtua Fighter 3 with a light gun. I might actually do better. 
yeah, I, I reckon stop skeletons from fighting is probably trying to do that or trying to find a way to play it with the fishing rod or something. Um, but those are the challenges that I will go back to. Those are the ones I'm going to remember, the ones where, you know, when I think back to small young me um, watching this show, thinking about completing an arcade game on a single credit. Completing an arcade game now is dead easy because you just do it on MAME or if you're down at Hogger, you know, you just press start, throw in all the, the free quarters or free quids that you want. Back then, a pound, a pound coin? Crikey, if you had a pound coin and you take it out of the arcade machine, you've got to make that sucker last. That means you've got one bite, you've got one go on an arcade machine, unless you can convince your dad to give you another quid. Quick side note before we move on, one big credit I'll give Evercade is on their cartridges, they do include competition modes, which is where you can't just add more credits. It's how far you get on one, baby. No safe states either. Peter's also mentioned that the Gunblade was another light gun challenge. I knew in. there was another one. That's the one I can. That's the one we forgot. That was a show long one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a that was a lengthy old one and kind of a chaotic and not not brilliant challenge. I don't remember much of it. <laughs> yeah, Dave. For the, I hate to think how many credits we all went through on those House of the Dead games at the uh, UTP Live Two. I couldn't even tell you, mate. But when I did complete House of the Dead 4 in the arcades back in the day when it was first released, I think we spent about 20, 25 quid each. And there was like six of us that were just rotating rounds. You know, you die, you go to the back of the queue and then put your next quid in. But we must have spent 20, 25 quid each on it. I completed Alien the Gun uh, back in the day, but I know the difficulty was turned down on it. So, but I'll still take it as a victory because it still cost me a couple of quid. So, those are our favourite challenges. But you know, we've got some other people who want to share their thoughts and their favourite challenges, and those are our modelings. Um, my favourite challenge was Rapper the Rapper, a game I was terrible at when I owned it. Uh, but loved seeing other people play uh, because I loved seeing other people play rhythm games. I'm awful at them. I think the closest I ever got was probably Donkey Konga, and I still got the uh, bongos to show for that. Um, but yeah, I, the, everything about Parappa the Rapper, it was so fun. From Kirk being there with the, the Parappa the Rapper suit to the giant controller, um, everything about it, absolutely great. Not so much the guests the the uh the people playing the game but everything else about it all encompassing games master is at its best when it is absolutely joyful and that was joyful i'm the same as matty parappa the rapper it was just so much fun to watch like you know i know it's the last season like let's go out let's just get a giant playstation controller get the mascot let's go for this i just feel bad because the celebrity that got to do it khalif I still don't know who they are. I'd never heard of them. So I feel a bit bad, like, who's this? <laughs> I'm the right age group to to have remembered them, and I don't remember them. So. <laughs> Did they have, like, a one hit or something? I don't know, but, I, again, it was... I, I agree with Matty. It was just joyful to watch, and it was just... It was so nice. I thought, this is fun. And uh, it's a shame we didn't get to like get a few more kind of segments like that where you get like the big mascots and maybe some like oversized control, like controllers or even oversized. I don't know. I feel like there could be more of that, more playfulness for the series than 
more, um, as I noticed earlier, the dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not spot that. the dick jokes? How did it take you seven series to <laughs> notice there was dick jokes, Sarah? I don't know, because <laughs> I noticed them, but then, I don't know, I was just kind of doing like a little recap for myself for this, so I'm like, because sit down and record, I'm just going to check over my notes, check I've got everything right, I'm going to do a little recap, because usually I get to watch like one episode per lunch break, and then this time I was like, no, I'll get a few and I'll just do like a nice little recap. God, I mentioned dicks a lot without saying the word dick. Yeah, you, you don't <laughs> want to also say get a load in when you're talking about dick jokes. Well, I think everyone expects me to say one challenge because the last two series have been leading up to the launch of the Nintendo 64. And then we come to this series and there's one challenge on the console. Like literally one challenge. It is on an iconic game um, and it involves commandos coming in. And I do love that entrance. I love that entrance. However, it doesn't really show you what GoldenEye was. So I'm not going to choose that. I'm going to choose something that I... So Parappa Rapper was up there because I never owned Parappa the Rapper. And um, I bought a PSP um, on launch and I got it with Parappa the Rapper solely because I remember seeing it in this challenge and always wanted to play it. I'd never seen anybody play it before. I hadn't ever played it myself. So I got it on launch with my PSP. Now, the game that I'm going to choose is relating back to my childhood and after seeing this. Now, when we used to go when we never used to go abroad. We went abroad for the first time in 99, the year after this series was aired. However, we would go to Pon uh, Poltins, we would go to Havens, um, and obviously spending a lot of time in the arcades there. Now, one game that I love, and it's always usually the first game I jump onto when we go to Heart of Gaming or anywhere like that, is Lost World. And I remember seeing it on this challenge, these kids completing it. Now, the amount of money I put in to the one that's in Sandbanks is ridiculous. Like, absolutely ridiculous, the amount of money I would have put into that to try and reenact what those guys, di those guys did. Um, but it's one of those games that I have such fond memories for and the music at the beginning, the dramatic, da, 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 as the, the jeeps going over to the dramatic music when the Velocir original velociraptors appear, to the pooping dinosaur shooting it in the bumhole. Like, it literally, it's just, it's just brilliant. I love that game. Like, I can't tell you how much I love that game. And I think that even, like, Mortal Kombat 4, when we had it on there, and even in previous series... It's seeing those arcade games and going, oh, I really want to play that at some point. Um, it, it, it's brill. A lot of love there for Parappa the Rapper, which I'm very, very glad to see um, because it was one of my favorite challenges as well. But there's something that Sarah said that really kind of 
captured my imagination a little bit and I started fantasy booking something in my head. She was talking about the giant controller, the draw, the uh, the giant PlayStation controller, uh, as as she would put it. And I was like, I was just like, they should have used it for more things. And I was like, now there's a challenge. Having two people, two pro Street Fighter players play through a Street Fighter game, one taken on the D-pad, one taking on the face buttons and the shoulder buttons. How far can you get in Street Fighter on a ma- on a massive pad? I think even if you just had like a joystick split, so one had the joystick, one had the buttons, it would be more achievable, but it would also allow them to be more impressive. Because can you imagine you have two players, maybe a ketchup and a mustard? Probably not, but let's just use them as the example because, you know, friends of the podcast, where one is the stick, one is the buttons, and they're not only able to pull off specials, they're able to do combos. Yeah. Like, proper oh look one's using a stick one's doing the buttons and there's a 14 hit ultra finish it's you know like it's it's a proper games done quick style challenge there that i I really do appreciate i've mentioned this one a a few times on the podcast before but there was one at gdq a handful of years ago where they played through super mario world on two pads that we were basically playing a two-player game but every half a frame or every frame it just flicked between the players so it would jump from Mario to Luigi, Mario to Luigi, Mario to Luigi, like every couple of frames. And it was, can you complete this game? Essentially playing it together. For viewers only, I'm just leaving that message there. Will knows what he did. It's very Dominic Diamond of you. And thank you to Cliff for joining us from the pub. Amazing. He did mention to me earlier, I'll either be in the stream or I'll be in the pub. But look at you, you multitasking bastard. You've managed both. Uh, let's get into our worst challenges of this series. And again, like I, I kind of want to steer away from the the, the celebrity ones because uh, I sort of end up putting those in my, my best and worst celebrity. So that for me like rules out Final Furlong and it rules out Rapid River. So it comes down to a choice of two for me. And it is pretty much between Top Skater, which is a... Fun challenge. Actually, the more I think about it, it's fun challenges, the, it, the central idea they had of having a a top skater, if you will, commentate on top skater, didn't quite work out as well as they wanted it to. And the three people there didn't really give Dominic a lot to work with. But I think categorically the worst game for me, the worst challenge in Series 7, is that Gran Turismo challenge. The brake lights are coming on. He's not using the handbrake on. This is another option that's in the game, which could sometimes get around the corners quicker. 20 seconds gone there. We're looking for a time of under 31 at the first checkpoint, should we? There, if he uses the handbrake, because he might not have skidded straight into... Oh, that oh no, ball. that's going to slow him down as he comes to the first checkpoint. One, 32 seconds at the first checkpoint. He's a second off of Ian Marshall's record-setting pace. That is really quite bad indeed, um. Because they had such a big idea for it, which is the three best players. And actually, after we'd done that episode and I was editing together, I found the news footage from that event, which Joe Guest was at. Um, and like, you know, I saw Dominic Diamond there and they were like interviewing these kids and stuff and talking about how good they were at PlayStation and throwing through all the games that they played for this. Because this was not just a blockbuster challenge. It was a specifically PlayStation challenge tournament. And they brought in the top three players for this to play one of the hottest new games of the year in Gran Turismo. And they all play it like Ridge Racer and don't do that very well. 
and it is so so disappointing the the crushing disappointment in rick henderson's voice is palpable there is some real excitement and actually all like amazing parallels here because as of recording the trailer from the what decade-long in pre-production move gran turismo movie has dropped it's not a video game movie in a traditional sense it's more it's closer to the tetris movie than it is anything else um it's kind of like a real life uh wizard if you will you know it, it's that idea of like oh a gaming champion and it's about a kid it's based on a real guy who played a lot of gran turismo in kind of an e-racing setup and went on and he he is a real racing driver now he won a won a reality tv contest and you see the level of skill on display there by someone that dedicated themselves to playing this game, to learning this game, to becoming as close to a real driver in this game as possible. Then you see these guys trying to ridge racer their way around a game that markets itself as a racing simulator. Yes. And yeah. it, it, is in, it, it makes the game... There's a, there's a lot of time where we've had product placement. Let's talk about Clay Fighter, for example where the people playing don't make the game look good but the game wasn't that good so kind of some exception there also the players were gladiators also some exception there these guys were, were borderline pro gamers they certainly had worked their way up the ranks and they stunk at it and it is so aggravating because i remember seeing gran turismo written next to series 7 this is before i'd watched ahead i i wanted to get mike from outside xbox back on I'm glad it didn't happen because that would have just been an awkward one because we'd have just sat there going, well, this sucks. Real shame. Real, real shame. And so I think not only is it a bad challenge because it's a challenge that on paper was good but fell apart, it's a really bad showing for the game. Like this is, you know, oftentimes some of the best challenges are the ones that make you want to go and play the game. Kind of like what Cliff was talking about with The Lost World. This is not a challenge that makes you want to go and play Gran Turismo because actually it makes the game look shit. It makes the game look it makes the game look boring. Yeah. And Gran Turismo is not boring. It may not be your style of game, but to watch, it's very, very good. Very interested in that Gran Turismo movie because as you mentioned, yeah, it's a, it's it's amazing that it has been basically in production now for ten years. And when they first announced that movie in 2013, it's got the exact same plot as it has now. I don't imagine there'll be tweaks and bits here. Like, you know, uh, Jason Kaczynski wrote one version of the draft and he's not credited. So nothing he's got is carried over or at least not enough for to get accreditation. So I'd be very curious to see or at least read the drafts and probably find out that there's very few differences between them. And it's just taken them 10 years to get to a final product. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that trailer dropped the same week that the Mario Brothers movie got uh, over a billion dollars at the box office. It may have taken a while to get there, but hell of a cast, hell of a director. Very, very much looking forward to seeing that. And it says a lot because whilst it is video game adjacent, this is not normally my style of movie. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into that kind of thing. But this movie did grab me and that did make me go, oh, this does look kind of fun. Also, if you aren't interested or you, you're not sure if you will be interested in watching the movie, uh, just watch the trailer because it's basically the whole movie there in two and a half minutes. There'll just be more more car crashes and vomiting probably. Bizarrely as well, and I didn't spot this on my first watch, the mum in the movie is Jerry Halliwell. I didn't spot that. I was too busy gogging at Orlando Bloom. 
he apparently started to age at some point in the past few years. I don't know when that happened. Um, well, speaking of celebrities, let's give out the Annabelle Croft Award for our favourite celebrity of Series 7. Uh, Ash, I'll, I'll come to you first. Uh, who would you like to hand out your uh, the Annabelle Croft Award to? Um, see, I almost went with Khalif, and I'm thinking back to what Pink said in the Modeling's uh, feedback when she mentioned the Parappa the Rapper Challenge. And in fairness, it's not actually the celebrities that I want to big up for this. It is the game and the challenge. But one celebrity I do want to bring up is I want to bring Joe Guest up because there is someone that was on board with what was going on, but also had genuinely taken the time to actually kind of make sure she knew what she was doing in the game. She had spent time practicing in the green room and made it through the challenge. You know, I I, I want to highlight that because one, it was competent gameplay. There wasn't a lot of that in the celebrity challenges we had in Series 7. But also I think part of me wants to highlight it because as we discussed on the episode, and it wasn't an easy discussion, is Joe Guest was a star on the rise. And Joe Guest now, we don't actually know. I've still been keeping an eye out for any news articles on her because... She's had a rough time and I hope she's doing okay. Like that, that's it. I just hope she's doing okay and she's got some balance. And so I think that's partly why I'm bringing her up because there's a lot of people that we brought up that just, you know, strike fast and fade away. That was their celebrity. But then you've got people like Joe who had a hell of a time with a, a lot of problems, uh, some serious health problems, which she didn't bring on herself. And um, yeah, it is nice to see her here in Games Master at her bubbly best, having a good time, having fun, and also performing well in a gaming challenge, which is all we can ever ask for from our celebrities. I mean, like your Pink even said that there about Khalif. was like, I've no idea who they were. Were they a one-hit wonder? They weren't even that. Like they were just someone that Dom saw a gig of, got drunk with them afterwards, and then they ended up on Games Master. Joe Guest, I would also highlight uh, for all the reasons that you said there, but also she is one of the few examples that you have in Series 7 where a celebrity can actually be called a celebrity as opposed to, well just people that dom knows i don't think you could classify Khalifa's celebrities i don't think you could classify ryan rhodes as a celebrity i don't think you could classify emma harrison as a celebrity or catalina as a celebrity even if she was on tfi friday or you know the emma noble and things like that like these are mostly people that you wouldn't say oh those are celebrities but some of these people you could say like okay that's an actual celebrity in joe guest if you put if you wrote her name down, people would know who that is. Not even not just then, but would also know that now. Catalina was the fire. Roscoe McQueen, yeah. She was from you know, from TFI Friday. And then she did she, she did do I'm a celeb after that, right? Yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah. But no, I just wanted to raise her up as well as being another celebrity that while she did make a mistake in the challenge, she pulled it back in time and she completed the challenge. So you did. Competent gameplay. That, that's all we can ask for, Luke. We had so little of it over the uh, the entire run of Games Master. However, I'm going to be giving my uh, Annabelle Croft Award uh, to a duo. And it's not just because I thought they were great. The challenge overall, I thought, was brilliant. And I thought the presentation of it was just as good. Christian Daly, Sol Campbell, and Sega Worldwide Soccer 1998. Welcome back to Games for a clash of domestic titans, England against Scotland in the shape of Saul Cardinal against Christian Daly. 
At this point, I'd now like to welcome back one of our friends from last year's. He's been dabbling with motor cars, but now he's back where he belongs, beside me in the comedy box, Mr. Jim Rosenthal. Welcome back, Jim. Welcome back, indeed. Back on a desert island where I belong, then. Well, Jim, you know what I thought was strange was that one minute, there you were on Games Master doing the commentary. The next thing, you signed up for a massive deal doing the Formula One. Do you think they saw you on Games Master? It was all on the back of my appearance with you. <laughs> that was it? I that... thought if I could handle you, I could handle anything. <laughs> Not Schumacher, was a doddle. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, okay, this is Scotland, England. Is it going to be like the typical clashes? Scotland coming out, lots of skill, Brazilian flair, and England fluking it? It's not quite how I've seen the last clashes, <laughs> I must admit. I'm, I'm racking my memory for England fluking it. Uh, I think it's going to be very, very competitive. I think it's going to be tight. Is it the best football game that you could have played? Probably not. Probably you would have wanted to go for FIFA. I'm sure Sean would have preferred it to have been FIFA. However, what a challenge. Because it's the best football challenge we've had across all seven series. I thought they were the best football players that we'd had across all seven series. Jim Rosenthal was so good on commentary with Dominic Diamond. And the, the England versus Scotland or the hype around World Cup 98, it was just perfect. So, so great. It was better than the World Cup itself that followed certainly was i i will echo you on that like when it comes to the perfect combination i mean i i i did briefly think about uh sega worldwide soccer for myself but uh to disclose we are actually running off the same note sheet today just to try and keep things ticking along because we've got a lot of feedback to get through later and i saw that you put that down and i'm like i should probably choose another one because we do have a lot of similar choices throughout this episode but it's my second favorite football challenge in all of Games Master, including the reboot. Um, well, let's hear from our modlins. Let's head over to the modcast and see who their favourite celebrities were. Well, for my favourite celebrities of season seven have to be All Saints. They were playing the um, party game, Poi Poi. Um, and <laughs> I just, I loved it. I thought it was a really fun game. Um, they seemed to be having a good time. They weren't there like, looking a bit like oh why are we here they actually had fun with it which is really nice to see um and i thought again they've had them done a really fun game which i didn't even know existed i didn't know poi poi was a game i want to play it now as i own a playstation <laughs> <laughs> just another game to add to the list of, of games that i have too many of <laughs> um and i like that nicole wins i love how enthusiastic she was when she actually got like handed her uh, golden joystick i was like you you'll be keeping that for life You've seen some people get handed and they're like, oh, thanks. But she's like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping she's a bit like Robin Williams, who's like kept it and been like highlight of my career. <laughs> <laughs> this part of the divorce settlement between her and Gallagher. Um... Do you remind me of <laughs> Like, I want the trophy, Nicole. I want the trophy. You can have the kids, you can have the car, but I want the Games Master trophy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, I'm, I'm similar. Um, my favourite <laughs> celebs were All Saints, and that's because one of the first CDs I ever bought out of my own money was All Saints' album. Um, that first album that came out at this time. Now, Ash versus you slated their version of Under the Bridge. I think, and I even brought this up, it was a discussion at work on that day. On that morning, I heard you say it. I, I, I loved them. One, I loved them. One of my first ever crushes was Mel from All Saints as well. 
So it, it was a real nice... I don't know, they seem really natural. And obviously, they, I don't think... That, I don't know how much they really knew how big Games Master was. But the, the amazing thing with that challenge as well, they just seemed very, very natural. And it just... It, excluding Dom's jokes of him shoehorning them in. I felt like his jokes were a bit shoehorned in this segment. But I, I just love how natural they all were. Uh, we could make this a trilogy, and I would also say All, Sh all Saints, and I actually was until I heard you two. Uh, they, <laughs> they were probably good. And also, I have to agree, I'm sorry, Ash, uh, Under the Bridge is an amazing tune. I like both versions. Thank you. I love both versions, but the All Saints one is the one I grew up with, and I, I really love it. Um, so, But I will put a caveat on this, and I will say... Even though underlining sexism and they were hired because they were top totty. Ooh, I hated saying that. Again, I liked them all because they all knew what they signed up for. Nearly every lady that appeared in Games Master Series 7 knew what they signed up for and gave as good as they got. A uh, couple, couple I would point out, Joe Guest and Catalina Grillado. Uh, I thought they were incredible. So there you go. There's my pick. A nice tie between uh, several of the ladies that appeared in the show. Um, wasn't a big fan of Sol Campbell, Christian Daly, or Khalif. Thought it just wasn't for me. Well, I, w I was a football fan, and I was going to add Sol Campbell in here just to get a rise out of uh, Super Sexy Dave Fisher <laughs> in being a Tottenham fan. Um, however, I did really enjoy that, and it did seem, yet again, that they were having a great laugh. John Inverdale, though. Top, if you want top announcer or top commentator, John Inverdale. Yeah, no, he, he was him coming back as well the yeah. second time. That was really, really nice, and it did seem like they both had uh, a lovely chemistry together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whenever you, him and Dom were together... It was like Don was the colour commentator and and Ibadale was the play-by-play -play guy. For you wrestling guys out there. Do you know what? There was a sense that he was a bit in awe of... Uh, Don was a bit in awe of him. Oh, like, you can Literally, you can tell there's almost yeah, like a see. nervous energy. Yeah, you could see the yeah. literal stars in his eyes. And he had those same stars in his eyes whenever the <laughs> um, uh, Jimmy White stuff came up. So... Yeah, absolutely. But no, this this guy, he had on a pedestal from the get-go. Right. Ash, thrown I, I, under Ash, the bus. Yeah, I, I thought you might. You've been thrown under the bridge here, mate. I've been thrown under the bridge, or as Cliff said in the message earlier, thrown under the bride. And I don't care that you went back and edited it. He knows what he said. Now, I may have said that I thought that cover of Under the Bridge was Bobbins, but I was not the first of the hosts to get the boot in, was I, Luke? No, I, I believe I was the first person to say... Yeah, they had a, had a cover of Under the Bridge on the album, which I don't think is very good. And it, my, I actually brought this up with my brother over the weekend because he, he was down and we were doing some stuff in the garden. And it reminded me of a conversation we had at the time. He played the songs to me like almost back to back and just says like, you know, it's on the All Saints version. That bass player can't do Flea's bass line properly. <laughs> And yesterday was like, oh, yeah, he is missing half the notes, isn't he? I mean, the reason he can't do Flea's bass line is tangentially because he's not Flea. But speaking of All Saints, it's time to move on to the Ashley Pask Award <laughs> for Worst Celebrity. Luke, 
What is your choice? I've written all saints. Like <laughs> listening to that feedback there, and you've got the modders being like, "Oh, I thought all saints were great." This, that, and the other. I was like, I thought they were a bit bobbins, to be honest. Like, you know, maybe some of that might be tainted by the book because you know they openly say in the book they didn't want to be there until Dominic Diamond told them how many, like, how big of viewing figures they got. Then they perked up. And a lot of it, I don't blame on them because I thought the the game itself was absolute cack. Um, but yeah, I don't know. All Saints, man, they were just they 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 feel like the the odd team out in in the celebrities for for Series Seven, which is a shame because I'm an All Saints fan, um, much like Cliff. Mel was one of my uh, was one of my early sort of like going into teen years crushes. I was gutted that I did not enjoy All Saints on Games Master as much as I had hoped I would. It was a tricky wank. <laughs> it's not my proudest one. <laughs> well, it's awkward when your family's in the room with you as well, you know? Yeah, just trying, while trying to make notes. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we just kept one-upping each other, making that more and more uncomfortable. I think we just summed up the past 180 episodes. Um... <laughs> My choice is a bit of an odd one because it's Ryan Rhodes and Khalid Shafiq and they did Street Fighter EX plus Alpha, Beta, Smegma, Overture, 3, 2, 1, go. Chapter, um, one. chapter 1, colon. And the reason why I've chosen them is because, much like the Sega Worldwide Soccer, the setup was incredible. I mean, if you look at the presentation of that, where they come out, like they're coming out for fight, they're in their gear. Ladies! Viewers, I've always wanted to do that. We've got the the girl Fridays bringing the ring cards out. We've got the microphone coming down from the ceiling. We've got Dominic Diamond, like just a, just avoiding a lawsuit there with his use of a certain catchphrase. Hoping Michael Buffer's not watching. And then we get to the challenge, and it is single handedly some of the worst Street Fighter playing we've seen since Street Fighter 2 first appeared on Games Master. And the only reason we get Chun-Li special moves is because it involves hammering one button or holding one direction and then pushing another. You can do spinning bird kicks by accident, just by ducking for long enough. It's pretty bad. It really, you're right, it's Street Fighter 2 in Series 2 levels of not great, but it's equally like Clay Fighter in Series 3 not great either it's a ropeal challenge and you know like i think dom and ryan at least have a little bit of banter because they have done stuff together on channel five but the other lad on there was just had a bit of arrogance about him which is we went into the episode was very much within his wheelhouse um yeah. really did think he was going to be the next big thing um 
But yeah, it's some ropey old Street Fighter playing. Very, very bad. Not good at all. I th- I, th- I think that is the answer as well, really, for like the worst celebrity. Not just challenge, but celebrities as a as a duo. Because like even with Ryan and Dom, like it with a bit of banter, it's not great. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, it is the build up to what should be an amazing climax, and then just as you get there, to continue with the analogy, the dick gets slapped out of your mouth. It's just a bad fight. It goes on way too long, and the main reason it goes on too long is because they're standing at least three people apart from each other, just pushing buttons. It's terrible, terrible gameplay. And it takes, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of banter in there and it's a little bit of fun and the presentation is so good, but it's just a case of you must have done all that prep. You got the match cards made. You worked out how to dangle a microphone over a pool of water without electrocuting Dom. And then they turn up and they can't play the picking game, Luke. It's not good at all. Right, well, let's get back to some positivity and talk about our favourite feature from Series 7, which is, we including the news within this one as well, because there weren't a lot of features uh, in the, sort of the traditional Series 5, Series 6 sense. So we're including news items in here. And so for me, it's the last one we got in, in Episode 9. And it might just be because it's one of my favourite games of all time, and it would be a Desert Island disc for me. It's the new special they had on Resident Evil 2. For the nation's 1.9 million PlayStation owners, the game of 98 will be Resident Evil 2. After well over a year of development, the title's finally complete and we've got hold of some exclusive footage from Japan. The new game comes on two CDs and is a massive eight times bigger than its predecessor. The action takes place in Raccoon City, which has been overrun by, yes, zombies, hungry for their dinner. And perhaps it's just because it completes a bit of a journey. Uh, As I mentioned on the episode, we had news of Resident Evil. Then we had a challenge on Resident Evil. News on 1.5 and then news on actual 2. I was actually uh, messaging um, uh, another YouTuber who specializes in Resident Evil content. And we were talking about like 1.5. And I said, oh, funny enough, I was doing a podcast recently talking about 1.5. And he was telling me like before he became... The, you know, the YouTuber that he is now, he used to just collect together Resident Evil coverage and sort of like, you know, promos and, and this, that, and the other and load them to his channel. And I showed it to him and he was like, I've never seen this before. This is awesome because it's 1.5 in context and things like that. So I love this as a as a feature here because it, it kind of completes it and gives us one of my all-time favorite games and genuinely is like a bit of news that makes you excited for an upcoming release i'm absolutely with you on this one uh because we have talked so much about resident evil in all its forms because you know we've talked about the games we've talked about the movies i believe you know someone that wrote a book that talked with the director of those movies i I might know a guy who knows a guy you know a guy knows a guy uh can you get me his autograph at some point Uh, i believe he charges for that what a dick yeah he's a proper knob uh, but to talk about Resident Evil 2, a game that meant so much to both of us, and it also gave us a chance to air our feelings on the reboot, and it was just, it was one of those moments where we talked a lot more than ever made it into any of the episodes where Resi 2 came up. And interestingly, my choice for favourite feature also appears in another category here, on quite the opposite end of things, because I really enjoyed 
the Starship Troopers feature. Yes, straight after Christmas, it'll be time to dust off your phony ID and head down the cinema for what promises to be the hardest special effects extravaganza in history. Starship Troopers, otherwise known as humans fight bugs in outer space. Because while it was just an EPK, it gave, like, it, this is pure bias on what it allowed us to do. Between that feature and it being a number one movie, genuinely some of my favourite non-video game related chat we've ever done as part of a main timeline. Like just getting to sit and proper movie nerd out with you and talk about film critics, interpretation, marketing versus intent. It, was, it wasn't like the most deep dive we could have done, but it was certainly the most deep dive we could have done while still going, and we're a video game podcast. Yeah, we need to get to the fireworks factory at some points. Um, fun fact, actually, the next episode that we're following on from this has more for Hove and Chat in it. Oh, but <laughs> and it came as a bit of a surprise to both of us because it's also a movie that we you've previously mentioned not only on this podcast but recently in your day job. Yeah, because I amazing. messaged you going, "This is a hell of a coinky dink." I'm amazing how it ended up that way. That I've I've now talked about it on three different podcasts uh, for two different jobs. It's mad, really. Um, but yeah, I I I would agree with you on that. Um, so that's ours. Uh, let's head back into the modcast and see what our modlins have to say about their favourite features. So, yeah, this is going to be a bit awkward, guys, because Cliff has given me the duty of hosting the features section, and I have an admission to make. I can't actually remember a single feature. I, I really can't. I, I remember some movies were talked about, maybe the Titanic. Um, I I have a vague memory of, like, watching, because it was the same electronic press kit appearing, like, nearly all of the shows that were... Uh, showing it off like the whole like computer composite of the ship as it was starting to sink uh, so I remember that but I don't really really remember an awful lot of features I'm afraid so what I'm going to do is I'm gonna pick up this massive baton <laughs> let's try not to fit it all in at once and just throw it at Sarah onto you I'll catch that so to be fair mine's not really a favorite feature as such because I'm a bit like you. I remember a few, like, there was, like, nod to the um, M64 bit in Japan that we didn't get over here that did something, that 3D. 64DD. Pokemon! <laughs> yeah. I love that. Go back to Matty. He's remembered one. Matty, what's your favourite? Oh, no. No. Oh, no, 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 Sarah, carry on. But my favourite... I'll call it a feature, but it was Dom's speech at the end of um, episode 10 saying goodbye. He looks so very, very genuine with everything he was saying. You could tell that he was a bit like, oh, shit, this is the end. And uh, you could just see that he was properly overwhelmed. And then as the credits rolled, it sh showed Sir Patrick Moore walking off to the taxi. and like, oh, he's not just a floating head. He's real. <laughs> That's him Missing xylophone. <laughs> but I, I, I liked it. I liked the whole kind of wrap up of the end. I, I do agree with Cliff that there were bits missing from like the clip shows that should have done a full nod of the entire series. But I did like that they looked back. They even put Dave Perry in there, who left on bad terms. I thought, well, that's you know, that's big of them to show him. They could have gone well. You're not getting an appearance. <laughs> so no, it was that was my favourite thing. Him saying goodbye and being very genuine and heartfelt with it, and that he said, you know, it was for you guys, 
as much as we had fun with it. Yeah, that whole episode, you could argue in itself, was just one long 24-minute long feature. But, uh, Sarah, if yeah. you mind, I'm going to take that baton right back off of you <laughs> and just there run away with it. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. God, this feels well used. <laughs> anyway, um, Sarah saying Pokemon literally just spurred on a memory. Like, a memory I didn't even think about until now. Like, back when I was a teenager. I remember watching that feature as a teenager and thinking, well, that's stupid. I'll never play a game like that. Like, the whole pocket monsters thing, right? Also, they clearly stole, like, the trademark from Monster in My Pocket, and you just don't do that. You just <laughs> don't do that. Oh, I love Monster in My Pocket. <laughs> I and, have some of them still. And I remember mm. being yeah. very, very dismissal of Pokemon when I first heard of it on uh games master and then i watched the anime on sky one and i also thought it was incredibly stupid but i got into it and then i finally played i think it was pokemon red i, I i'm gonna have to admit i did it on emulation because i didn't have a game boy at that mm -hmm. stage um i know very naughty of me uh, just don't tell anyone only the few thousand people listening to this um and uh, yeah, I, I'm now uh, the proud owner of quite a lot of Pokemon games and have played nearly all of them. Yeah, so I'll take that feature right back and say, okay, Pokemon. Pokemon's my favorite feature because it just spurred on a teenage memory. So I agree with you both because like when you look at feature, you didn't have like uh, Dom going off on his wanders around LA or tokyo we didn't have any of that this series but instead we had i would say a lot more time for other you know we we had the features to do with the movies obviously starship troopers every i think everyone went back and watched starship troopers after listening to that episode however i think that one thing that i loved about this series and um, it's in the review section but that's Rich and Rob. Now, there's part of me that goes, I really wish we had Rich and Rob from day one. I really do We wish we had. You mean that uh, silver-tongued smooth devil himself, Richard Pitt? Yes. I think they, they just, they work so well off each other. So we had some really big reviews in this series. You know, we had Diddy Kong Racing, which is a huge favorite game of mine. Hashtag justice for Timber. Get me own shtick in here. Why not? Why not, indeed? <laughs> um, and then we had Yoshi's Story, which is a huge game of my a, a favorite game of mine. And then we had things that I don't know. It just when they gave these reviews, it made you listen. Like Final Fantasy Seven, the Final Fantasy Seven review, and it was as I think uh, Ash has said. Is obviously they say that it takes a bit of time to pick up, and that's only because. They only played the beginning bit of that game, quite possibly, uh, before reviewing it. But at the same time, I really love them as a duo, and I wish we had had them sooner. But yeah, I agree. They are a good duo together, and you can tell there's a dynamic there. There's not like a, no, I'm saying it better. There was actual charisma there, and yeah, mm -hmm. they got on, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, because when you've done it, they've done it in the past especially like series five where they had Rick and Dave, it was almost like a conflicting argument every yeah. time. 
Um, oh, every but... time. One had to be right. And it's like, yeah, just... It's, it's just... Just, <laughs> just enjoy the game. And I think with this, I think it was more of a case of it's actually two people that have chemistry together. And I really enjoyed that. Do they actually know which of us is which? Because I mean, I, yeah. I've been blamed for your cock-ups, or rather your opinions, and now I'm being attributed with good things that you did say. <laughs> well, maybe take that as a win, Ash. Maybe you should be the one that should be like, yeah, you're right, I did say that about the review of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I'm from this point on, I'm Luke Owen. You can be <laughs> Ash. I'll be Ash versus. I think that'd be a right laugh. You've got lovely hair. <laughs> I could tell you were going somewhere there, and I'm just like, what's he going to say? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah." The... He's got wonderful flowing locks. If only I could have a life like that. Um, so, yeah, uh, very good choices there. Uh, from the interesting choices as well, because not a lot of them being featured in you know, Pink, they're talking about the Dominic's final speech in a way. And actually then talking about the the duo of uh, Richard and Rob, the, 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 redu- the review duo uh, that we only got for one season. So, actually, I guess before we uh, head into the ad break, uh, let's give out uh, one more award here, the Naked and Begging Worst Feature Award. I, I, I'm i going to go out on a limb here. This is, for me, the, the worst of the features, and it's only because it's more annoying than it is anything else because I feel like it's a bit lazy, uh, and that is the Mortal Kombat Annihilation, specifically feature having conquered the big screen once already b-list actors everywhere are strapping on styrofoam chests for the second round of the greatest pan-dimensional punch-up in the world break out the bikinis and hockey masks it's mortal kombat annihilation once again a nasty rotten bad bloke shansung has opened up a gateway to earth and has dragged our heroes away from a peaceful life of monk hugging so few girls in leather fighting each other of course as well as the standard martial arts moves, the actors had to undergo a strict training regime of ballet dancing, playing hide-and-seek, and trampolining. Despite all this, Mortal Kombat Annihilation promises to be a special effects bonanza, with computer graphics and models combining to reproduce the characters we've all come to love so much. And the reason why I'm giving that is because they'd had a news item on Mortal Kombat Annihilation like three episodes prior. And I was like, oh wow, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, we've reached that point in our timeline. And then just a handful of episodes, you know, down the line, they then have a feature on Mortal Kombat Annihilation that covers everything that they did in the news footage, just with a slightly bit more. And I was like, this just feels like we're just filling for time now. And they just exercised this and just done more on whatever challenge we have for that episode. It, I think it was quite lazy in terms of features on the show. I'm going to go with you on that one. If we... If we agree to leave Starship Troopers out, because that was also a name you'd written down for this category, but I think by comparison, Starship Troopers is just brilliant compared to this, because also it gave us a lot to talk about. Whereas Mortal Kombat Annihilation, not only is it kind of a rehash of a news item, but also it is probably one of the pinnacles of Games Master backing the wrong horse, because they big up this movie and they really really shouldn't have and it joins a list that includes lawnmower man 2 <laughs> we talked about it the other week dominic should have been way more excited about wing commander 4 than lawnmower man 2 looking back i hope that he maybe feels the same um anything to do with the cdi holy <laughs> shit, going back to series 4 the gore special 
everything with the Atari Jaguar. Games Master has occasionally just really, really put their weight, or rather been paid to put their weight, behind the wrong things. And I think Mortal Kombat Annihilation is it's a big one of those. No one it's, likes that yeah. movie. Disaster of a movie. Uh, I will... I mean, you know, hopefully I'll get to make a video about that at some point because I could talk about that movie a lot. It's what a wonderful failure it is on, on multiple different levels. Um, but, it, you know, that feature, I suppose you could give it some, uh, some bits of like, oh, that was definitely worth it. Just to hear how much Kastanov was talking about how great the effects were going to be when he knows full well that they're not finished. Which is kind of brilliant in a way. I, I was just going to say, I suppose that's the gamble most filmmakers make when they're doing an EPK whilst it's still in production. Because you're going, yeah, the effects are going to be amazing. I hope. I hope they will be. When we come back from the break, we've got a couple of more awards to give out. The Diamondism Award for Favourite Dick Joke, as we talk then talk about our worst and favourite moments from the series, and your listener feedback. Bitter war of love and hate. Final Fantasy VII is the biggest selling game ever on PlayStation. Over 100 hours of the most compelling gameplay. This year's most anticipated release is Final Fantasy VII. Beyond the glory of the World Cup qualifiers, come the World Cup qualifiers. FIFA, Road to World Cup 98 from EA Sports. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Captain, there's something heading our way extremely fast. It's coming straight at us. I've never seen anything like it before. Action. 
racing, fun, adventure. Nintendo 64, the fastest, most powerful games console on earth, now at $99.99. Welcome back to Under Consultation. And Ash, I think we should hand out our next award. It's an absolute favorite amongst the listeners. The Diamondism Award for Favorite Dick Joke. Now, we said this at the start of Series 7, which is... Man, you can tell that this show knows it's going to be uh, cancelled after this because they're cancelling themselves because they are going all out on the, the dick jokes and innuendos. I don't think the show has been this filthy since its first series. No, and it's not even that it's just a case of, oh, joystick joke equals possibly a penis. It is a case of, let's find as many different objects, items, structures, household appliances that can possibly pass for a penis and or boobs, uh, vagina, butts. Basically, if it could count as an erogenous zone, it's probably there. There might even be references to the navel in there. There's certainly references to semen occasionally. I was going to say, like, in, in Series 1, you know, some of the, the, the diamondism stuff they had in there was just like, ooh, this might look like a bit of a penis. Uh, but in Series 7, it was just like, I've had a wank over this woman. Here she is. So what's your choice for your favourite diamondism? It's, I mean, this is a favourite of, of Dom himself. Uh, and it comes from Mr. Rick Henderson from uh, Series 7, Episode 8. When uh, asked by Dominic Diamond, did you ever want to be a fireman? He replies, no, but I wanted a huge hose. Right. It's great because it's a quick, zingy one-liner and it breaks Dominic. That's that's the thing for it. Like, Dom has a laugh. Kathleen has a big laugh. Just want to point out as well there, this is very much behind the scenes. So my wife was just getting a drink uh, in the kitchen and walked through. And then she heard me say that line. And she just pulled such a face at me. <laughs> Why do you bother watching this show? I mean, she's assuming you're talking about the show. <laughs> So yeah, so I think there was that. My other one I wanted to do was uh, Three Men Get Hard, because that really, really tickled me for the um, the, the GoldenEye Challenge. For me, it comes between two. One is the entire crab setup, because it's the, the payoff, the delivery, and the deleted footage of the table being set fire to. But it's, it's a double-led joke, because the joke of, oh, the girls gave me crabs, we already could see that it was going to be a crustacean-based joke. But then it's the pull-out, the exclamation of, can't we have something else to eat for a change? And the look of shame on both of the Girl Fridays. It just makes it a perfect, perfect level of innuendo. Hello and welcome to Games Master, where once again, the girls have given me crabs. Can't we ever have anything else to eat? And the other one, purely because of the level of inappropriate, because the challenge itself involves a small child, is if you think this is hard, just wait till you hit puberty. I mean, it's good because it works on three levels. A, you're right, it's it's inappropriate because it's a kid. But B, what a boner it's, jokes. It's, it's a it's a boner joke, but it, it's it's a very clever bit of wordplay. If you think life is hard, wait till you get to puberty. If you think your dick's yeah. hard now, wait till you hit puberty. It works on multiple levels. It's layered. 
It is lead, like an onion. It is a layered dick joke. So well done. Like a penis-shaped onion. <laughs> and well done to Series 7 overall for having uh, a plethora of dick jokes that apparently Pink did not pick up on. Between that and the All Saints comments from Pink, I do have to wonder, was Pink watching a different Series 7 to us? Did she accidentally watch Series 7 of The Wire? Ooh, interesting. Did she watch a, an, like, an, an unknown, I was going to say an unknown series of bad influence that was much more child-friendly? Yeah, I was thinking The Wire of like, Series 7, uh, you know, of Games Master was very weird. There was a lot less video game challenges, but a lot more like kind of police and espionage. It was quite a departure. Mm, way more drugs than I was expecting. Uh, no, that was the actual Series 7. <laughs> Ash, let's, uh, before we get into our favorite moment, we'll have our last little bit of downer here as we talk about our worst moment of the series. I think there's certainly a handful of things that you could point to here in terms of the lad culture of the show, which I think has aged poorly somewhat. So, you know, Emma Harrison on Rapid River and uh, the the two girls that did uh, Final Furlong. I think you could certainly point to those as being the worst moments, kind of like in the same way that you'd say, like, you know, the, the Mario 64 incident is the worst moment of Series 6. It's kind of like, you know, the very easy thing to point to. But as I was thinking back on Series 7, the thing that kind of struck me the most is, and this is kind of a bit of an overall thing, Series 7 feels like it has a real lack of Games Master in it. And it is called Games Master at the end of the day, but... He, there are times he doesn't feel like he's in the show at all. Like, he really is like a real afterthought. And I think that is my least favorite thing about the series. And if I, even in Series 6, where he had probably about the same... But maybe it's because there were more episodes of Series 6. It felt like there was more of him. But, you know, there are only two challenges per episode. It just feels like, yeah... I mean, we talked about this a little bit in last week's episode, but as the series has progressed the games master's involvement in it has really diminished somewhat but that's very that feels so tangible within series seven there's a whole thing where um the acronym gino which is one you'll know is godzilla in name only describing the roland emmerich dean devlin godzilla movie and the creature that came out of it gino could also count towards series seven as games master in name only because not only was there only one maybe two challenges but also in the case of some of those challenges gm only explained half the challenge the rest of it went back to dom it was minimal but we were down challenges there was no consultation zone that was long gone uh there weren't really any extra bits and so he became a figurehead if if this was a show that was more modern, where it'd be easier to do this via computer wizardry, maybe it would have been kind of cool if they just recorded like 10 minutes of raw footage of Patrick Moore just like looking left and looking right. And they could have just had him in the background, like superimposed on the sky. So he's always watching over the proceedings, like kind of Orwellian 1984 thing. But as it is, he's he's really not there. It makes me glad we don't have a category of favourite Games Master moment because it would be really difficult, this series. And in fact, if you go back and you look at some of our favourite moments in previous series wrap-ups, some of those have involved the Games Master himself and they've slowly and slowly disappeared as the seasons have gone on to where now we've not mentioned the Games Master at all. There is no Uar Cantonar. 
There is no anti-aircraft guns against seagulls. There's no anti-Marisha, no chickens, no Daleks. Not even like, you know, during the Tetsujin challenge. Tetsujin. Oh, my God. The, that borderline. Like, I really wish they I knew what direction they'd given Patrick Moore for that tone. Like, imagine you've just seen Uranus. Tetsujin. Yes, Tetsujin. that'll do. Um, so, I mean, what, what, what about you? What have you got down? Um, I mean, to go back to what I've already chosen, Gran Turismo, that, that yeah. just to have one of the biggest games, racing games of its time and to have it look like Shash. Um, the big one, and it's one I picked up on last week, it's the fact it's over. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact there was often a gag to go with it every week, nine episodes left, eight episodes left, seven, six, five, four. And I don't remember... Do you know, I don't think I was that emotional over it at the time because I didn't necessarily believe that that was just it and it was over. Or, you know, I was just like, oh, well, something else will come on. Another game show will come on. Something will come on to replace Games Master. How can they not do something to replace Games Master? And the answer is, well, they tried, but we'll get to that. And um, yeah, for me, the worst moment is that we've got 10 episodes, nine episodes, really. And it is the best of Games Master. It's the worst of Games Master, but also for a good 20 plus years it's the last it's the end of, of games, games master. master yeah yeah well I mean, are you, do you have anything else or do you want to throw to the modlins i think i i'm i'm going to cry into my whiskey should we throw to the modlins <laughs> let's throw to the mods so least favorite moment guys i don't really have one i think my least favorite moment is that the series was it, it's the last one and that it's over and it was short and to be fair, we're quite lucky we even got it because it was it wasn't cancelled by accident. So, yeah, I liked it. I just feel like it was such a fun series. I don't have a least favourite moment. Going on to what you said, how do you think it would have ended? Like at the end of series six, the way they chose to finish it then, how do you think that rates to the last ten episodes or nine episodes and a clip show that we got? It's just. I th- it's different. I think they felt like it was done, but I feel like this kind of properly like ties it up. You know, you kind of get to see where he started off to where he finished and like he ended up in paradise. It's not hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the clip show for me, I know that people are a bit like, oh, clip shows. But to be fair, I think it was a nice nod to the previous seasons. I mean, they even got Dave Perry in there who like left on very bad terms. Mm. Um, you know, they showed a bit of everybody, a bit of everything, and, and Dom's just heartfelt speech at the end, like, he was genuine, like, yeah. we did this for the fans, but had fun with it, so, yeah, I don't know, um, I think they'd have known it was going to come back, I don't know how they'd have ended season six compared to how it ended originally. Finally, my least favourite moments are also the my favourite moments, because... I didn't really gel the underlining sexism throughout like season seven. Like the fact that basically the guests were being hired purely because, hey, top birds, lads, 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 lads. And so far, I can actually think about any kind of least favorite moments is probably that. But at the same time they are also to their credit for the most part very game for a laugh very game for fun which you can't really say that with the natalie imbruglias in the world and and the like so i'm i am desperately at two minds on this one because i can't really think of much of a negative apart from that 
Yeah, because as um, Ash has referred to, and Luke has referred to this a lot of times, this is every uh, Dom's mates being invited on, and also uh, girls he really fancied. And it was quite evident, you know, in certain parts of that, that, let's say, games were specifically chosen but certain people. And I think it very much leans into... The two, I, I think that this series, I know we're on the least favourite things, but it does lean into those two extremes of Games Master that one minute we can ha- be having a world championship uh, tournament on Tekken and then the next moment be having the horse racing game in the last episode. So it, it's, it's such a contrast between those two worlds that we've had over the last three years of revisiting and back in our childhoods of Games Master. Yeah, he tries to have that balance of it's for him and his mates, but he does want to make it about everybody watching at home, like, no, this is genuine game content, but it will be done his way. (laughs) That's a really good way of putting it. That's an awesome way of putting it. It's it's done the way Dom wanted. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what season seven feels like. I feel like it was done his way. You know, it was an accident, but he got to kind of do it his way. Um, you know, for me, when I hear Games Master, it's Dominic Diamond that pops into my head, you know, all the time. It, it, it has essentially become about him in a way, but he wants to make it about the fans, but it's it's got to be done his way. <laughs> well, that that very nicely brings me on to... Uh, my least favorite moment and it does come to the clip show because when we go into that first part of the clip show it very much goes back and luke already said it was very much the clip show that they showed in series five however what i feel it doesn't do is go back to the bits that dom didn't like so there's the obvious things the elephants in the room like it doesn't really show any of series three if any of series three, I can't remember if he was showing any of series three. But it also doesn't show much of series one, because as we're made aware of the book, Dom didn't like how he was talking in series one, and I'd imagine by the end of it in 1998, he really didn't like how he was talking in series one. And also that bleeds into, if not one of the the strongest series of the classic run of Games Master, those first three series. And that is Series 2. There wasn't many clips. There was more based around the celebrities they had on rather than showing what the show was and how it evolved. Um, I know that this is being very picky because this is just a bit that they've added on at the end. But for me, to celebrate the true history of Games Master, you've got to include those both sets of worlds, like how it started and that sort of classic period of Series 2 and Series 6. That's how I always see it. Series 2 and Series 6 were the pinnacles of this series. I don't know that I entirely disagree with Cliff there. Series 2 and Series 6, it was when the Dom era, the classic Games Master pre-Dexter Fletcher hit its uh, stride. Mm -hmm. And Series 6, I think, is um, the best of the post-Dexter era as well. So, yeah. I, I'm very much on board with that. I agree. Yeah, I, I think Dom would probably have a different uh, clip show now, or he'd commission a different clip show now because he's probably a bit more like, well, he still doesn't recognize 
that guy that's in series one and series two, I think he would now be like, no, it's important for us to feature whoever that man is. Um, Cause they were the real formative years of the show, as opposed to when he was in, you know, series seven mode there. And it was like, Nope, let's not feature as much of that guy because I have no idea who that man is. And I'm way better at this job now than I was back then. Absolutely. I mean, there is like with anything, there is a level of vanity at play. I mean, it's why doing these episodes, doing any live episode is terrifying for me because normally at least on content i usually have a good degree of control over the edit so i make sure all of us sound our best you know i tighten up the ums and the ahs i remove any gaps i fact check everything and so i would this is one of the few times where an almost like unedited episode goes out into the main feed and even then i'm not going to be able to completely leave it alone i'll still trim the silences but you know there's a lot of stuff in here already i could feel like Oh, I want to edit that bit out. And I'm I'm not gonna. There's only one bit that will be edited out, and the Patreons know what it is. So there we go. There's there's a cheap plug for patronage right in the middle of the episode. And speaking of our wonderful Patreon backers, and you as well, let's hear your feedback on this. We've heard from our modlins throughout the oh, show. We, we haven't picked to, this this will be an edit point. We haven't done our favorite moment. That's right. I've skipped ahead of segments. <laughs> Edit but, point. Uh, but, but Ash, we've got to do our favourite moments. Oh, thanks. That will make it seamless to edit, Luke. <laughs> this is just making me sure that you've definitely got to put my flub in. Um, so let's go into our favourite moments from Series 7. Uh, Ash, I, I will throw to you on this one first. Uh, I'm going to bring up Starship Troopers again. Um, purely because it felt like vindication for the dick punch that was having first contact stolen from us as a number one movie. We got a feature and a number one movie that we got to talk about both, that we were excited to talk about both. We didn't give a dick about Titanic, but Starship Troopers, absolutely. So that's that's the cheap the cheap one out of the way. Um, they were mentioned before by the Modlins. I want to bring up Rob and Richard. I do wish they had been around as a review team longer because they were they perfectly complemented each other. And I love the fact that they were there together on screen together. I would have loved to have seen how that dynamic developed over time. They were able to disagree with each other without being adversarial or deliberately contrary just to make it more dramatic. And in fact, some of the reviews we get in Series 7 as a result are some of the best. I agree. Even if there are some like wonderful early day uh, internet mistakes that are that are made in it, I've, I find them to be quite charming. And, I, you know, Richard in particular is very, very good. Rob feels like the sort of person that I would have probably been friends with at university. I, I think it's a really, really great review team. And you're right, like I would have loved that consistency across the rest of the uh, the, the series run. For me, when I come to my favorite moments of Series 7, and I think I'm going to pick this one because it's the one that caught me the most by surprise. It's Pokemon. But the biggest seller for the new DD is likely to be the Pocket Monster series, which I love because I've got a big Pocket Monster myself. They're a kind of Tamagotchi for Game Boys in which you breed monsters and fight your mates via a link cable. It's sold 8 million copies in Japan to date, and Pocket Monster Stadium on the DD accesses the Game Boy Pocket Monsters via the N64 controller to unleash a whole new world of Pocket Monster hijinks. With rival monsters loaded in the DD, your favourite critters can then settle their scores in fully rendered 64-bit style. I'm not a Pokemon guy. 
I'm not. I was, uh, as I said on the episode, Pokemon were for the year seven dweebs. I was a cool year eight kid. Can't be liking what the year sevens are into. Got to, you know, give them nuggies and wet willies and whatnot. I'm doing cool things. Like, I had Digimon and Dungeons and Dragons. Thank you, you had very Digimon. much. I was into cool things. Um, but, like, Pokemon being featured in Games Master was not something I expected to see. A, but B, the dismissive nature of it. And the fact that it's cool, it's called Pocket Monsters as well. Like it's not even the official rebranding of Pokemon. It's it's so cool. You want to talk about in context things in the same way I got so excited over 1.5 being featured in a previous news item. Love the fact that we got in context Pokemon in in series seven. And I just it took me so by surprise. Proper like taking those and be like, whoa, Pokemon's here. And they're just talking about Pokemon and Pokemon Red and Blue and Pokemon Snap and Pokemon Stadium. And Dominic Diamond thinks it's all rubbish. Oh, it's hilarious. Weirdly, I can actually see where Dominic's coming from because on the surface of it, Pocket Monsters is peak Japanese. A photography video game based around that franchise is peak Japanese culture as well, particularly video game culture. This is kind of the, the you know the birthplace of birthplace of the visual novel. Something which you love. You love your Ace Attorneys and and all that. Certainly do, yeah. But it took ages for those games to truly make their way outside of Japan. Pocket Pokemon caught on because someone picked up the cartoon. Someone picked up the TV series. That's why it became the massive juggernaut that it did. That that really helped launch it. I can easily see why it was dismissed by Dominic and co. But we talked about backing the wrong horses earlier. You're right. It's a hell of a thing to have them just go, nah, fuck that noise. Don't don't be looking at those Pokemon. The DD, that's the thing you want to be looking at. That's the cool thing of this feature. Ooh. The DD is going to be the thing that turns around the N64. Not this Pokemon, bollocks. This is going to go head-to-head with the M2 3DO <laughs> follow-up. Uh, Ash, I think that's enough from us. I think it's time to dive into our wonderful mailbag listener feedback here. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw to you for our first bit of listener feedback on Series 7. Oh, our first bit of listener feedback is from a guy that has been with us from like way back when. Series 2, Series 3, he's been with us a long time. He is the only listener that I know of that is in Thailand. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I can say of him. He's not... And I read his feedback verbatim because I I just want it. It's just like, you know, he, these are his words, and so we're going to use them. Hello, everyone. Nut here. Classic Games Master's journey in the UCP of the final episode. The best and worst of Games Master Series 7 from nine episodes. The best episode, episode three. Soldiers playing GoldenEye 007. Looking at the content of the level, it's enough to play. Plus, to be honest, for me, besides liking platform games, I also like the other genre, which is first-person shooters. Worst episode, I asked not to, because it's hard to choose. Best celebrity player, episode two, Khalif plays Parappa the Rapper, because playing the game involves pressing the direction keys to the rhythm of the music. It is considered the first game that uses skill to follow the rhythm of the song. Worst celebrity player, episode nine, Debbie Flett and Emma Noble play Final Furlong, because equestrian games for me have never been so good. 
Compared to episode series in series five in episode two, where Jadine Duran plays jet ski video games. But series seven, episode five, where Emma Harrison plays paddle, a boat is still fine. He's in, he's on board for the paddle boats, uh, but not so much uh, the horses. Uh, it, it does raise the, the question of uh, to nay or not to nay, that is equestrian. Oh, fuck you for that pun. <laughs> Just to briefly pause Nut's feedback, I love Nut so much, for so many reasons, so much joy he's given us over the years, but the fact that he takes issue with Final Furlong because he doesn't like equestrian games, I love that dude for that so, so much. Oh, dear. <laughs> I've actually <laughs> cried with laughter. Review team Bob and Richard are okay. Review teams Bob and Richard are that okay than Rick and Dave on Series 5 and Series 6. I think he's saying comparable there. I think so as well. Summary of reviews, classic Games Master series. So he's reviewing all of the series. Series 1, 7 out of 10. Good debut and understanding the content. Series 2, 8.5 out of 10. Ooh, going to points already. Nice, nice jump up. It is becoming more and more popular in the UK show for video games. Series 3, 6 out of 10. Oh. Points deducted for Dave Perry in the team championship where Dave makes love jokes. But Dex is a good host. Also, by comparison, Dom is a better host than Dex. That's a fair point on the last one, but boy howdy, deducting points for Dave Perry. Dave Perry has no friends in Thailand. He doesn't, nor his love jokes. No. I'm guessing that's gender-based jokes. I think so. Uh, because translation software is a tricky business. Series 4, 8 out of 10. Dom is back and still good, but deducted a few points for being bad jokes in some episodes. True. I, I think I know some of the jokes he's referring to, and I think even we differed in our opinions on some of those jokes. Series 5, 7.5 out of 10. Adjusted the format of the list to have more layers, so it was so-so. Series 6, 7 out of 10. Everything is fine except for Dave Perry, who seems to want to work with Dom after he finishes playing Mario 64. Yeah, I'm assuming he doesn't want to work with Dom uh, after Mario 64. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Nuts really has an issue with Dave. He's not the only one. Series 7, 6.5 out of 10. It was considered that the program team at the time decided to do it in the end. It was considered that everyone would remember that program forever. Overall, Classic Games Master made more video game show in the UK, and it's still around forever. But, however, there is still a new Games Master Series 2 that will come this year in UCP. We'll definitely continue listening. But now we will listen to another show and others in UCP. Also, the month that the feedback episode was released was the same month that was my birthday. I'm not going to include the full date, purely for Nut's data protection, but um, close to when you'll hear this, Nut. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Let's meet again next time in New Games Master Series 2 feedback. Nut. So looking at Nut's uh, scores there, by the way, excellent work, Nut, as always. Uh, and to you, Ash, for reading that out. Um so looking at Nuts things, Series 3 is the worst, but Series 7 is only just slightly better than Series 3 by 0.5 of a point. For different reasons, but I kind of see that coming. And Dave Fisher just saying in the chat we've got going on, not for UCP Live 3. Honest to God, I would quit podcasting after that because I don't think we would beat it. I genuinely think that if someone flies from Thailand to come to a live show, how do you top that? How? But thank you. And I, I said it in episode 10, and I'll say it again. 
Uh, Nut, I still don't fully understand how you found us, how you found Games Master. I love that you do, and I love that everything that you bring to our community, to the Under Console Nation. Thank you so much for taking part and being one of the few people that have actually broken me on this podcast. I love you for it, man. Thank you. Our next bit of feedback comes in from Adam D, who says, Hi, chaps. Adam D here. Uh, I hope to send you some audio feedback, but such is life with a busy eight-month-old baby. There is zero time or chance to get in some quiet time to record. I mean, Adam, I managed to record a podcast uh, during that period of time, but you do you. Firstly, a wholehearted thank you for the podcast. This is the first Patreon. I'm fully back from start to finish, except it's not really over, is it? And I cannot believe that we are finally coming to the end of the original run. During the time you've been with us every week, I've moved jobs, leaving the company I started at when I first moved to Canada nearly 11 years ago and had a baby. I realized that I've been, uh, I've been remiss to send feedback for quite some time. So here we are. Series 4, as a child who attended Catholic school and hadn't gone through an existential crisis yet, I bizarrely didn't watch much of this as a child. Good to come fresh and see Angry Dob grumping up in hell. Series 5 and Series 6, utter, utter gold Dom and his mate at their pure best. And that brings us to Series 7. As a child, I never would be able to notice the rush production, but now you can kind of tell. One thing that sticks out to me is every time a challenger arrives by boat, it is the canned footage of the audience cheering with an over-exuberant middle-aged woman in a black bikini cheering up the kids. I can only assume she is a teacher at the performing arts... Time out, time out. (laughs) Middle-aged? What do you think middle-aged is? Because, I mean, maybe we have different parameters here, but I think we discussed what the role that both she and the man may hold. Carry on. Uh, Uh, when it comes to the content itself we clearly have a very comfortable Dom who is happier in life and comfortable with the fact that the Games Master's days are done you may remember I waxed lyrically about the fourth wall breaking intro to series 2 and I feel exactly the same way about series 7's finale the set slowly being dismantled blew my mind as a kid that a show could just show how fake everything was and not care about that at all finally we come to Dom's farewell As a kid, it's up there with a T-800 dying in Terminator 2 as a moment that choked me up as a kid. It still brings a lump in my throat as an adult. It feels so raw and real in a way this show so rarely does, and it just, as it just makes pissing about. Genuinely, the Dave Perry answer might be the only other time we see anything close to this. That's it from me. This has been way longer than planned. Sorry to the poor sod who reads this out. That'll be me. Sorry I made fun of you earlier. And thank you to again from the bottom of my heart for the fantastic show that has kept us going over the last few years. And cheers to whatever is next from Adam D. Lovely bit of feedback. And we've had some comments in the chat of just like going, that woman looked 24. <laughs> I mean, she's middle-aged, but you know, the 1600s. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm really boned. Like, if that's middle-aged, I'm absolutely shagged out here. Mate, you're talking to a corpse if that's (laughs) middle-aged. But should we go on to our next bit of audio feedback so I can continue to try and dry my eyes from Nut's amazing feedback? Please do. Hi, guys. Harriet here. This is my first time giving feedback for the show. I've been meaning to do it for a long time, so might as well save the best to last. Well, I hope so. I hope I'm good, but this is going to be short and sweet. Games Master was a show I watched since Series 2, and one of the few that I would stop everything to watch no matter what. So when Series 7 began with the bombshell of it being the last series, and ending in 10 weeks, I felt my heart break. Especially at the end of each episode when Dominic announced how many were left, but I made sure to enjoy every last moment of the series. 
I still have that copy of the last episode of series seven. I don't know which paper it came from. I've completely forgot. I've got to that age now. I can't even remember what happened last week. But I, I remember that you always used to watch it religiously when I was younger. Because at the time, we had no access to any other episode. But now we're in an age of YouTube where all the episodes are online. And we have this amazing podcast. Sorry. I mean, amazing podcast. My favorite challenge had to be Alan Frost and Crash Bandicoot 2. To see him win and then get that extra Star Wars present warmed my heart so much. It was a brilliant challenge. Crash Bandicoot 2 was definitely one of my favorite games of the PlayStation era. And just to see the six-year-old just play to his heart's content and winning that challenge was just fantastic and absolutely brilliant. Parappa the Rapper is a very close second. Again, another game I loved so much, especially since PlayStation was my favorite era of gaming when I was a teenager. And I still like to go back and play those games. They're just so good. The challenges itself uh, were, were great from Tomb Raider 2 at the beginning to the final Tekken 3 tournament. They did not disappoint. I also love the GoldenEye challenge as well. Just the soldiers going in, just not caring about the civilians. It was just like, well, okay, that's a thing. <laughs> it was very funny. Speaking of the last episode, it was a very surreal goodbye. Seeing all the best and worst bits of the show. The set slowly being taken apart. Reality hit as this show I grew up watching was slowly disappearing in front of my eyes. The final goodbye from Dominic hit me hard, alongside seeing Sir Patrick Moore getting into the cab. But I want to finish on a happy note. I want to say thank you to Ash and Luke for making this podcast. The memories it brought back while listening and watching was fantastic. Thanks to it, I have made many friends who I cherish so much. And you made a childhood dream come true for me at the last UCP Live when I took part in not one, but two challenges. And spoilers, I'm so happy I won the second challenge because <laughs> I proudly displayed that platinum floppy in the background of my streams and I am so happy that I won that. It's amazing that a show after so many years still brings joy no matter how old I am. And honestly, just thank you so much. It's, it really helped during the hard times. And like I said, I, I don't think I would be, I don't know, have as many good friends and many good memories as I did thanks to this podcast. So thank you. And on that bombshell, Harriet signing off. Bye. Oh, love Harry. Yeah, pure of heart. Harriet Manga Girl. Um, the video from UCP Live 2 Challenges will find its way online some way. It is proving like, the, put it this way. I always only want to release stuff that's the best quality. I'm just going to have to bite the bullet with UCP Live 2 because it's just going to look like <gasps> And I'm just going to have to put a disclaimer on it. But we do have that amazing fairy tale story moment of like second chance of redemption with Harriet. And it was just, I don't think if we could have picked a winner, I don't think we could have chosen a better candidate. And I love that you gave us that feedback for this final season. Yeah, so it's perfect so much. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, it's amazing. Like Harry's a, a very big supporter of, of not just this podcast, but other projects that I work on as well. And yeah, she she is a really good egg. Uh, and it's always a delight from here from her. And it's always a delight for, to see her as well. So everyone give Harry her flowers in the chat as well. Um, Ash, I will throw across to you for our next bit of feedback. Speaking of uh, longtime fans of the show and people who support a lot of projects. Yeah, this is Misha who technically came up to me before we'd even recorded an episode and said, oh, I hear you're working on a project with Mr. Luke Goen. And I'm like, 
fucking hell has my email been hacked? But anyway, Misha's here with his Series 7 feedback, and he says, Series 7 and its deconstructive tendencies felt a little bit up its own bum at times. Melancholy doesn't really sit well in Games Masterland, so I guess it's just as well it was kept mainly to the ends of the episodes. Could have been as good as Series 6, but the time and the budget got in the way. Some truly outstanding challenges scrolled away in there, though. Few of them, but I think the ratios of good to meh to bad is more positive for Series 7 than others. Were the Girl Fridays consciously treated better on screen than the Angels or the Mermaids? Signs of Dom maturing slightly. Episode 10, though, just lovely. Your own little retrospective, even as Games Master was doing its own. Honestly, I think I'm more emotional about UCP ending, in its current form anyway, than I ever was about the end of Games Master. One was a show, the other was a way of life. Interesting point there as well, actually, about the Girl Friday. So we didn't mention this in, in our sort of general feedback that we had, but it's it was great they were part of the team. Like, you know, Don would do his joke intro, but then throw to the Girl Fridays to be like, but no, actually tell us what's happening on this show. And it did make them more than just the set dressing that the Angels and the Mermaids were. And I think that is a credit to Series 7. Absolutely. And while I do take the uh, the time as a definite issue, I don't think they were that short a budget for Series 7. Because, I mean, that set was not cheap. I think it was a, it was time more than anything. that, that I, yeah. They probably spent the same amount of money per episode that they would have done and probably could have done. Um, but time was just the wor- thing that was working against them. Absolutely. Our next bit of feedback comes in from Chrissy Two Sticks One Floppy, who says, Ashton Luke, the whole underconsultation pod will always have a warm place in our hearts. From the moment we turn on an episode and hear your voices, we get the feeling of comfort and joy that takes back to a great time in our lives. What I would like to know is, do we as listeners give you the same feeling of comfort and joy, especially knowing that we may have that you may have to see us in person at a live event or two? Yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely 100%. With most projects online, be it a podcast, a YouTube channel, a video series, anything like that, you will only ever hear from a relatively small proportion of your uh, user base, listener base, viewer base, whatever you want to call it. I am very grateful for the portion of our listener base that do reach out to us that do talk with us that do message us that do email us that do contact us if you don't want to if you're just listening if you're just happy listening and being a passive part of it doesn't mean i care for you any less but just having those people reach out it it does mean something it does make those early starts or late edits or late records like this one is turning into it makes them a little easier because this podcast means something to us and we also know it means something to you it's not just shouting into the void absolutely yeah like it, it is a I, i've waxed lyrical about this on a number of occasions but our under console nation is a, a byproduct i didn't expect out of doing this project out of starting this podcast you know really was just a a passion project something i'd always wanted to do which was to do a podcast like this um and getting a great community out of it was not something i expected and it's the thing that I'm probably the most proud of. And there's a, you know, a lot of things out this this show to be proud of. But the fact that we have made some very, very cool uh, connections and some very cool friendships along the way is, is more than I ever could have asked for. So thank you all so very much. Uh, apart from you, Cliff. Um, Andy here uh, says, uh, Series 7 wrap-up. 
Hi guys, I firmly believe that if Series 7 was Series 1, it would have still been commissioned by Channel 4, as it fits in nicely with other programs that they were putting on at the time, and totally slots straight in with loaded and FHM culture of the moment. However, I feel that Series 7 somewhat tarnished the legacy of Series 1 and Series 2. They had a lovely charm and innocence to them, and we were enjoying the ride of this groundbreaking show. Carry On Games Master would have been more apt a title for Series 7. Enough of the negativity now. The series did have some great elements. The news was always great. The new review section was fantastic. Due to where I live in the country, we didn't get to experience the high-end uh, the high -end arcade machines. And for me, this was the, highest, the highlight of each week's episodes. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to all the podcasts. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to cover in the future. Keep up the good work. That's absolutely fair. Um, interesting point about if Series 7 was Series 1, it would have still been commissioned by Channel 4. I think it would have, because if you look, mm -hmm. we were at the peak, the word, TFI Friday, it would have fit right into that programming block. It may have actually got bumped to later on a Friday for that specific reason, because they may have gone, oh, this is part of our Friday night lineup now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, shall we dive into our next bit of audio feedback? And yes, it's another debut for our final classic games master series wrap up it's under console nation regular sean i just want to say a big thank you no a huge thank you to ash and luke for this review of games master and uh, how great it has been and the achievements that came along from it the people interviewed the books the twitch channels and also the discord and all the friends we've made from it as well and um, this era of games master has been great for me Especially the games Tomb Raider 2, FIFA 98. I absolutely love FIFA, obviously. But as we reach to, well, I don't think it's game over, but I ain't good at goodbyes. So all I can say is, hello, Games Master. Continue. What a lovely it's... Irish Fanta that boy has. He speaks. He is real. He's not just a bot. <laughs> <laughs> just crawls out from the abyss every now and again. Oh, thank you, Sean. Um, we're not good at goodbyes either, which is why we're still kind of working out what we're doing next. But to move on to our next piece of feedback, Richard Donner. I enjoyed Downer. Series 7. Richard, Richard Donner directed Superman. <laughs> that's honestly, I just recently rewatched a bunch of the Superman movies, so that's why it's in my head. <laughs> but anyway, Luke, enough of talking about Superman. <laughs> on to our next bit of feedback. Richard Downer. I enjoyed Series 7. I was 16 to 17 around the time, and I've always had fonder memories of the earlier series, brackets 1 and 2, as it was a new concept. Gaming was exploding, and it seemed like there was always some new thing coming out. 3DO, Jaguar, virtual reality, CD-ROM. It was exciting. With Series 7, gaming was about to peak. Innovation vanished, and the decline into the same game with better graphics was about to start. Having challenges on the daft arcade stuff is great, Rather than the things you can play at home, unless you had an arcade near you, chances are you weren't going to experience some of these games. They even had a big stupid controller for the Parappa the Rapper challenge. The whole series is good fun, and seeing things like Final Fantasy VII being reviewed and Resident Evil 2 being mentioned brought back some good memories. It also had my favourite bit of the entire run of Games Master. Derek Lynch telling Sarah Vandenberg and Carol Varley to keep good rhythm and use the two-handed technique. We didn't really mention Derek Lynch during our ep this episode, but as always, Derek Lynch was an absolute joy. He certainly was. 
Derek was always saying some daft things, but this particular moment was like the aligning of the planets or Haley's comment making an appearance once in a lifetime. You've given it quite a bit of stick for being a bit laddish, but it was a product of its time. It was a style at the time, as Grandpa Simpson would say. Even the ladies, sorry, ladettes, were at it. You had the likes of The Girly Show, for example. It was girl power gone wild. So I do think it's a bit unfair to single Games Master out for being a bastion of laddishness. I didn't mind the change in format to Dominates, or the laddishness of it. That's how I was at the time, interested in games, beer and boobs. Actually, when I think about it, I still am. P.S. Something I forgot to say. Just look at how far you've come. You started out knowing fuck all about the show apart from what was shown to you on the screen. Throughout this, you've gone from strength to strength. You've got to know the show better, the people who appeared on it, and who made it. I only say this as I started listening again from series one, and it's almost like a different show. Some of the stuff you say is quite funny in retrospect. Brackets, was that child a plant? Bucky O'Hare is closed. So not only has the community grown, the show numbers have grown, and the patrons have grown, but you've grown. You've made it into Games Master Canon. Did you ever imagine how far things would go when you started this? You even met me. I mean, I never imagined I'd have met you. Yeah, no, 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 and no on several uh, uh, things there in terms of, of what this show has has grown and gotten out of it. Um, I, th- I think the only point, I mean, I agree with a lot of what, what Richard said in there, but I do feel that we were, we, we obviously we did give the show stick for its laddish nature, but we also did say, this was the style at the time, and it was just reflective of the culture at the time. I, I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on this when I'm off base, but I, I thought we were already we were always pretty explicit with that. I don't think we said that it was only Games Master that was like this on TV. No, I don't. I don't think we did. And in fact, I think certainly in an episode we've recorded, but you've yet to hear, we do talk about this some more, particularly the Ladette culture. Um, one just point I will make is you're right. The girly show, the word. So much of it was out there, but within our bubble, we're a Games Master podcast. And so when we're talking about Games Master Series 7, we are comparing it to Series 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and what comes with the reboot. And if you look at series that have held up better than others because of the context they were made in and the style they are, I think Series 7 has held up worse than some of the other series. There's always been an issue with, oh, girls can't play games. That was set not off because that was Dave Perry again in a good number of occasions. But Series 7 was the worst for the laddish behaviour. And in the context of Games Master in its previous series, it sticks out for that. Mm-hmm. And if you are still into beer, boobs and video games, more power to you. But I look at the person I am now and the person I was then, and I have changed. And I have changed my worldviews. And I can only do a retrospective now based on who I am now. So that's where it is. It's not saying you're wrong and we're right. It's just saying that's the reason why we approached it, why we did, at least from my point of view. Yeah, I will always look at something within the context of it. But I think you then need to... My thoughts of this has always been, and I, I have this one I've had to review like Attitude Era uh, wrestling shows, they were the style at the time, but it does not mean that they have aged well. Um, But it also doesn't mean that they were wrong to do what they did at the time because it was the style at the time and it's what everyone was doing. Everyone was trying to push the envelope on TV. So I don't bemoan WWE or WWF for doing the pay-per-views or doing the acts that they did because they were trying to do that Jerry Springer shock value type TV, that car crash TV. But some of it has aged poorly. 
some of it has aged better than others and i think some elements of series seven has aged better than others but i think overall as a series when you look at it, i think series seven is the series that has aged the poorest uh when looking at that as a whole I'll just say we did meet you and uh just in case we haven't said it already it has been amazing to meet uh so many members of uh, the under console nation of the listenership over the years sometimes at events we've organized sometimes at events we haven't organized at least one occasion whilst i was working uh whilst i was doing tech for the attitude era podcast to talk of wrestling when someone said to me excuse me are you ash versus from under consultation <laughs> and i was like wiring up a camera at the time and i'm like yes quite it's the first time i've ever been recognized in public at something that i haven't organized so it's quite a moment for me our next bit of feedback comes in from peter who says hi luke and ash many thanks for your run on series seven podcast it's been great to revisit the episodes again and be reminded of how fun it all felt the series seemed like an epilogue to games master a bonus of those of us a bonus for those of us who weren't quite ready to say goodbye in series six Though it was very 90s by this point, it comes across as good-natured and that almost everyone was on board with the tone of it. The finale is always poignant to watch. Getting to share in how much the show meant to everyone was uh, was special and how more fitting goodbye than the offensometer the year prior. Beneath it all, Games Master was a show with a heart and a final farewell reflected that perfectly. It's been a blast listening to you both these past few years, especially since 2020 when things have been tough for everyone. Along with the oral history, UCP has been a welcome addition to the, uh, the Games Master universe. Big thank yous and much appreciation to both of you. Finally, just a quick acknowledgement. Um, feel free to edit this bit out, but you know maybe we'll keep it in. From mid to late 2000s, there were two GM fan sites, one ran by Jack Tomlinson and the other one run by a couple named Al and Nicola, aka Gamer Girl. The forum members of their websites were the first of my knowledge who collected old VHS tapes and digitized episodes of Games Master that later ended up online. Without those folks, we may not be able to re-watch the show. So if any one of them are listening, a big thank you to you all. Best wishes for all of you in the future and kindest regards, Peter. Nice that that was mentioned at the end because one person I know who should hear this, Jack, um, I think both myself and Luke raise our glasses to Jack, who has been um very supportive of our podcast has helped us in a number of ways i actually emailed him just the other week uh because of course jack t uh is still an active part of games master i'm not going to out him but if you know you know uh you can put two and two together probably but uh jack's absolutely wonderful and i got to meet him last uh last year or the year before in person and that was great um yeah we will always hold the i guess privilege of being the first games master podcast but without those websites that came before us, we would be missing a lot of information, a lot of video rips, a lot of captures, a lot of YouTube uploads, a lot of digitizations and scans and archives. And um, yeah, I don't think we're really the originators of anything, but I am very happy that we are adding our thread to that tapestry. You know, we said a bit about uh, Games World. You know, we couldn't do a full Games World retrospective podcast because it doesn't exist online. You know, the, there are things that we're going to be looking at um, coming up, which we'll get to shortly. We couldn't do full retrospectives on those either because they're not available online. Games Master is all there, everything in full. There's only one episode that we have done where we have lost part of the episode. I think in the entire run that we've had, we've only lost one challenge. And even if we decided to close up shop, if that last segment ever appeared, you could bet we would dust off the microphones and come back to go, finally, 
Now we're finally complete. it's complete. We would George Lucas it. We would special edition ourselves into that episode. But our last piece of feedback, in written form at least, comes from David Thompson. Just wanted to say well done on completing your original goal of chronicling every episode of Games Master in order and maintaining such a high standard throughout the whole project. Uh, some might say we've let this slip in the last episode because, man, I've drunk way more of this whiskey than I meant to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you the same on the wine? Yeah, this, this is more wine than I was expecting to drink. Cheers. I'm amazed I got through a lot of that written feedback without flubbing too many lines. Hey, I already said we got written feedback from the director of Superman and Superman <laughs> 2, so we're doing great. Anyway, back to David Thompson. Since the start, I've looked forward to every Tuesday morning for a new episode, and each new episode would always go to the top of my podcast playlist. One thing I started thinking about during listening to this podcast was when you mentioned a potential Series 8, and you both now being part of Games Master in some small way. I know you both have wrestling backgrounds, so hopefully this question doesn't sound weird, but how would you book an actual Series 8 if it was greenlit back in 1998, or at least the first episode? In this scenario, Series 8 would just start October 6, 1998 at 6.30pm. So what would you have on the show? What would the challenges be? What 1998 celebrity would be on? And what would be in the news, features and reviews? New games like Banjo-Kazooie, Street Fighter Alpha 3, F-Zero X and DDR were all out. Big games were just about to come out like Metal Gear Solid and Zelda Ocarina of Time. And the Dreamcast was just about to launch in Japan. So lots of things to play with. I think a one-off episode in this nature would be fun to do. As in your episode review, you would tweak them to make them better, so I think it would be interesting to hear what you would do if you had a whole time-accurate episode of Games Master to play with. Now. Now. I actually wanted to talk with you about this before we went on air, and I forgot because it happened. But I don't want to answer that question here because I think we've still got a few gaps in the calendar between now and what comes next. And I think that sounds like a fascinating hypothetical think piece. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of something we, I was on under, under console nation. The last one we were talking about the violet Berlin games master yeah. show that we were kind of like writing down on paper and like what that would look like. Yeah. Or, or getting violet on board to, you know, seeing if she'd do that in an interview or something, you know, yeah. just like talk with us about what she would do with games master. Uh, but David, yeah, I apologize. I'm not going to answer that now, but keep listening. Keep listening indeed. Uh, and I hope you're still listening as well, because we've got one final bit of audio feedback as the modcast concludes. So it feels very odd that we've just recorded all that. And this year we've already recorded one. We already recorded a Modlins episode in January. And we're coming back to record this. And usually we're talking about what's coming next. We don't know what's coming next. Um, because that's it. Three years of listening to these two pipe on. Yeah, I'm looking at you two. Looking at you two sat there. <laughs> sat there with your webcams on. Talking into the ether to these people that are on the other side of the chat. I see you two on YouTube. Or, or Twitch. No, they use YouTube. YouTube! I see you too! But it feels... It feels odd. It feels like that... It, it feels like such a... I know that QCP might continue on as something, but it feels so final. To your point, and you know what? This is going to be sort of self-referable. 
Uh, you know, I mean, it's self-indulgent. But back in 2020, I was ready to just jump off the uh, grid completely. I had enough of social media. I had enough of seeing a dumpster fire all the time. I got fed up of fandoms of the things that I love and adore so much that I was just willing to just go scorched earth and just get away from the internet completely. And then one day on Spotify, I accidentally came across a podcast whilst looking for the Games Master theme tune to put on a playlist of (laughs) 90s TV shows. And here I am, nearly three years later, I find a Discord. I find people that I hold to high regard and I can call my friends and hopefully we can remain friends for years to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was made a mod daddy by people that barely knew me, but gave me the chance to help run the UCN and the UCN themselves with a few small exceptions. Yes, I'm looking at you, Sean. Um, And also Tom, even though you're also adorable. Um, You're all lovely. And it's been an honor and a privilege and hopefully to continue to serve as a modeling to you all because the UCN and the UCP is honestly one of the best communities on planet Earth. And thanks to all of you, I'm here now talking into a mic, being a complete and utter idiot with the guy who also calls himself an idiot with a mic. Also, Sarah's here too. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Matty. <laughs> and the fact that we managed to encourage Sarah to be in on this as well, it's just, guys, seriously, thank you very much. And also thank you thank to you. Luke and Ash for nearly every feedback, letting us have more and more runtime. They don't have do yet they do yeah i'm i'm a bit like matty um you know i've been here officially two years on the 11th of may and i kind of like stumbled into here um a bit of a sad lonely mum i'd got a two month old and my whole life like got turned upside down you know you don't realize how much your life changes when you have kids and how like your social life can change so for me you guys have been an absolute amazing like life changer for me like, I didn't expect to be so welcomed and for everybody to be like, hi, join us, come join in. Like, to be asked to be a, a, an actual moderator, I was like, what? I remember getting a, mas- a message from Matty just saying, say yes. Say yes to what? <laughs> <laughs> and I never thought I'd be doing anything like this. Like, you guys are so naturally talented. Like, Luke and Ash, you're all very entertaining. I absolutely love listening to the podcast. I can listen to Matty and Cliff all day the same. I never thought I'd get to record segments like this and ramble about crap and everyone's like, it's a good thing Matty and Cliff's there to uh, keep this together. (laughs) (laughs) So the Discord's special, though, very special to me. I hope it keeps going um, when whatever project they want to do next, I hope it's still there. I'm absolutely loving being a mod and this place is just so special. I think everybody's kind of got some sort of story that they've kind of found this place from a happy memory of watching it as a kid. Like, I remember being very small watching Games Master. I don't particularly remember much about the episodes, but I remember it was on and it was happy family times, laughing, enjoying it. And then to actually, like, rediscover the series with you all and to make friends with you all, to go be part of the UCP Live and just to be part of this, it's such an honour and I just can't wait to see what's next. Hopefully they've planned something awesome. And we can all follow them on that journey. Yeah.
Hi guys, this is me after the recording. So I listened back to my segment and it was a bit waffly. And do you know what? I didn't think it was a fitting end to all of this. I feel like Dom, it needs to be an idiot on a microphone sat here just chatting to you. And I will keep it as brief as I can. Brief, pants. I I enjoyed that joke as well. So I just want to express about how much this community means. And that's exactly what this is. It's a community. It doesn't matter if you joined on day dot, or if you joined last week, or if you've never been part of the Discord channel and you send the boys a couple of tweets now and then. It doesn't matter. You are part of this UCN. And I want to say thank you to you all for sometimes being a literal shoulder to cry on. For all of those times that when I needed a laugh, needed something silly, I would see someone create a GIF or a meme or an edited photo or a genuine one-liner that would make me belly laugh. Now, this community and the spirit of this community come from two people because like attracts like. So Mr. Luke Owen, Mr. Ash versus you two, you two are the reason why this community is like it is. Not just because of the amazing work you put into your podcast and the quality and that you give them every single bloody week. It's because you two are genuinely good people. And you've given us something that I never thought I would see. Someone that cares as much about Games Master. That they go out and they produce. As every single episode has now been reviewed. To be then a part of that that reboot. I was so proud of you both. So proud. And it was so deserved. And that reboot seeing our community get even bigger with such names as Chrissy. And there's so many people that came across because of that. And the major thing that I want to end, if this is the Mars Modeling's podcast with Inside a Podcast, I just want to say the last thing as being thank you. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, UCN. Laters. I feel bad for taking the piss out of the N64 now. Yeah, I know. I made I made fun of Cliff earlier in this episode. I mean, in fairness, we'll probably make fun of him again. <laughs> but no, like, I mean, it's I have um, I mean, I don't know how much of this will stay into the actual edit when we put this out next week. I've not had a great day. Um, I think if anyone who knows the, the the job that I do, there's been a bit of a shit storm today, and I I I've not had a great day. And I needed that. So thanks, guys. And um, and same, like, um, very few of you know what my day job is, other than I work in the charity sector. It's a very, very dark place to work at times. And whilst there have been occasionally, I'll be honest, there have been occasionally moments with this podcast that have infuriated me <laughs> because because it's something I care about. That's mm. why. But I look at the daft <laughs> on the Discord or Twitter, or we'll find out some weird bit of information, or suddenly we'll be asked by a producer of a new Games Master series to give our feedback before he's even going into his first production meeting. How f-ing weird was that? And it's um, it's a light. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a bit of a boost. And uh, yeah, thanks.
thank you really yeah thank you thank you so much like you know thank you everyone for your your written feedback thank you for everyone who's sent your your audio feedback thank you to everyone who's just listened to this daft little show uh, along the way um but it's not quite done yet no it's it's it is not over not by a long shot not just yet anyway um because we have previously announced that we're going to be revisiting series eight uh now in our chronological timeline order um so we'll be doing like full reviews of the episodes that we've done for other episodes of series uh of games master but also doing like the pop culture stuff that was around at the time as well which we didn't do when we first reviewed the show um we hope to have a little bit extra going on with um with those episodes as well so stay tuned for some of that but in the meantime we're going to be going on a little bit of a journey basically a four-week journey um of what gaming tv shows came in the aftermath of games master leaving the airwaves because channel four tried some some other channels tried bravo tried some and bravo even brought back dominic diamond and johnny finch for another gaming tv show that did have a challenge element to it as well so for the next couple of weeks uh next few weeks in fact we're going to be looking at the tv shows that gaming basically became the gaming tv shows that came in the aftermath of games master before we get to the reboots and if you already know your gaming history you'll know those shows will include things like bits thumb bandits joypad when games attack and i think we talked off mic about a few other possible candidates that may also join us along the way so it may be slightly more than four weeks it depends if we can source the videos but I can say that Bits is already in the can. We've already recorded our episode on Bits. And so if you're curious of what we think of Ladette culture, strap yourself in. It's going to be with you next week. Uh, yeah, and I mean, there's a, there's another one that I might pitch as a potential Patreon podcast as well to do down the line. So there's a lot for us to dive into before we reach uh, Series 8. But we will get there eventually, and we'll have another time where we can get together as well uh, and do a bit more of these uh, feedback episodes. But actually, this has been a bumper old recorder, two and a half hour uh, broadcast that we have done here. I think it's time that we've probably brought this to a close, don't you? I think so. Uh, I think we said pretty much everything we can about Series 7. We said certainly a lot about how much we value our community, our listeners, the people that are the, that are the reason we're sat here at 11.33 at night still going. Uh, so yeah, let's draw this to an end. Do you want to kick off the standard outro? I will do. Um, and in traditional live show format, I've not got the Patreon names ready. I have. So <laughs> I'm ready to go. Hold on, hold on. I can get there. I can get there. Uh, I will do my first bit and then I can get it during your next bit of spiel. So thank you all so much for listening. You all rule if you want to... Balls, I've already bollocks it up. If you want to follow us on social media... (laughs) follow us on social media we are on twitter at underconsolepod on instagram at under.console and you can send us an email to feedback at underconsultation.com and if you want to chat with us in real time chat with other listeners other the fans of games master of retro pop culture of current pop culture you can do so over on our discord where you can chat with some of the crazy son of a bitches that have sent us their feedback to be part of this show 
And if you want to support this podcast monetarily, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod, where you'll become where you'll get access to UC Oh bollocks. Where you'll get access to our community podcast on the console nation and under console you know all the rest of it. And if you're back to the five pound level, you get next week's episode one week early and ad free, which as I said will be our review of bits at the ten pound level. You get a little bit extra ash. What is that? Who knows? I've run out of Patreon packs. Keep going. And a shout out to those £10 backers, Adam D, Adam Warrington, Alexis, Andrew Cummings, Andrew Greenwood, Andy, Arcadia Wild Bill, Chris Price, Chrissy Two Sticks, Colin Conroy, David Palmer, David White Gordon, Aiken Gordon, Brant Gordon, Dempster, Harriet Mangagirl, I am Cheadle, Ian Roberts, Ian Williams, Jamie Smith, Joe McGonagall, Joe Mitchell, Kevin Kerr, Kylie Lawrence, Liam Link, Luke, Mark, Matty Boom, Misha, Nick, Phil, Retro Fun for everyone, damn, I was doing so well, Reese, Rich Pemberton, Richard Downer, Sean Dunn, Selena Simon, Super Sexy Dave Fisher, The Amazing Cliff, Tom Dylan McEvoy, Tom S. William Cottingham, Zanathor Bollocks, and Zach. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you in seven days' time for another edition of Under Consultation. Take care, everyone, and thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.